For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast. Because of the heat yesterday and indeed I suppose the day before, I was given some tips on air as to how to reduce the temperature in your home if you don't have air conditioning. And one of the tips was to uh, soak the bottom of your curtains with water. Um, uh, I just gave it out there and apparently Billy was on to me from Spick and Span Dry Cleaners in Glanmire. He said, Neil just suggested soaking curtains with water to cool down. That will leave a watermark on the curtains. Please tell him because he'll get himself into the height of trouble. Love the show. I think they have to be washable curtains then, don't they? Uh, if they're not, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't listen. I don't even know what material is used in curtains. Give me a break. Um, thank you all the same, Billy from Spick and Span Dry Cleaners. Don't come back to me, guys, particularly if you've done it already um, and you got a watermark on the bottom of your curtains. I'm only passing. I'm only passing it on. Don't shoot the messenger. Uh, record baker is a headline in the Star today. Thirty-three degrees yesterday, the hottest day in Ireland in 135 years, and there's a worry behind that, obviously. Because of global warming. Uh, the heat wave brought highs not registered in Ireland since 1887. Where did they clock the 33? Up in the Phoenix Park. So the hottest um, in uh, over, a, well, certainly since 1887 when records began. So that's the hottest in two, te- in two centuries, if you like, as the mercury hit 33 degrees. Yeah, 135 years. So we baked in the heat yesterday and people thronged to the beaches across the country with scorching weather that left uh, many parts of Ireland, certainly you know, where they clocked 33 degrees in Dublin. And even Cork, to be honest with you, meant Ireland was hotter than Greece or the south of Spain yesterday because apparently temperatures in both of those countries uh, were 27 degrees yesterday. So we even beat them in Cork because I think we hit, we certainly hit 28 degrees without a doubt. But rain, as I say, uh, is on the way, certainly for, for, for Sunday and a little bit of it on Saturday as well. They call it the Great Irish Bake Off in the Sun today. And the downside to that is how can a country like Ireland, where it rains all of the time, usually, or a lot of the time, how could we be short water? But yet we are. And there are drought warnings in place now for 15 parts of the country where people are being asked to uh, curb water. There are nighttime restrictions on water uh, as the nation baked in our hottest day yesterday. In fact, the echo talk of, uh, you know, how it would relate to us here in Cork and they're saying that there are drought warnings for four areas in Cork. Uh, four areas at risk of drought include Clonakilty, Roberts Cove, Whitechurch and Copine. They're closely monitoring a number of other water schemes as well. Um, and, you know, when we're talking about the weather and sunshine and people hitting the beaches and I chatted yesterday morning on air with Timmy O'Mahony who saved the life of a young Cork lad who got into trouble down in Onahinsha. Sarah Horgan has that story on the front of the Echo today because she got an opportunity to chat not just to Timmy um, who saved the boy's life when he got into difficulty on Sunday but also to the lad's mam Jackie O'Leary from Ballancolig and Jackie tracked down Timmy apparently through Facebook just to say thank you. She's quoted in the Echo this morning as saying uh, that I wasn't there when it happened but I reached out to Timmy when I saw his post about saving Saving Dara on Facebook. So Dara was the lad's name. She said, I told him that I had no words for what he'd done and that I was so grateful. It's scary what can happen and how fast it can happen. I didn't even want to think about what could have happened. So it's great to be able to get in touch with somebody and say thank you, particularly uh, with a man like Timmy who saved her son's life. He certainly, certainly did. You know, you talk about issues regarding the temperatures and whether it was 28 in Cork yesterday as it was and 33 up in the Phoenix Park. Of course, they do talk about it having an impact uh, you know, on uh, our climate and climate change and global warming. They say all you need to do, do is go to Alaska 
uh, or, uh, you know, go and visit uh, areas very, very far, no- far north on the planet and you see how heat and global warming and temperatures rising are affecting, um, you know, the, the ice caps. But uh, families could lose their second car now, apparently. Uh, this is the Greens turning up the high heat on the coalition partners, if you'll pardon the pun. It's a front page on the Examiner this morning. Families could lose their second car in a carbon row. row. It's fair to say that in some families there are even more than two cars. They could represent of, or three or four cars. Um, and I see that we were talking about the UK on the air yesterday where there was a, a run on electric cooling fans. Well, didn't take long for the Irish papers to pick up on that and they started checking around with electrical companies as well and they're running out or ran out of electric cooling fans flying off the shelves during the current heatwave. But I was laughing at a story uh, that made the mail. Um, the coolest accessory to have in a heatwave is an ice bath, apparently. Uh, and it has, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a wheelie bin. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like a massive, big, huge um, tub like you might see kegs in, you know, in the old days, the old wooden beer kegs and stout kegs, except bigger. Uh, but it's an ice bath. Now, it's all very well to say, be great in a heat wave. But if you bought one of those, you'd probably use it, if you were lucky, once or twice a year to cool off. But they do say that it's very, very good for releasing the happy hormones and reducing your heart rate and keeps you fitter and more energetic and keeps the blood flowing. A lot of athletes use these ice baths, but at, uh, at three and a half thousand euro, they ain't cheap. There are other health-related matters making all of the papers today, like uh, problems in the CUH with regards to... Uh, eye care services at Cork University Hospital and the independents say that children are waiting, we know this done because we deal with this on this programme all too often Uh, children on the autism spectrum are waiting up to four years for assessment. Thousands and thousands across the country are losing the valuable time needed for early intervention and early assessment and that's why so many parents have to go and get assessment privately so that they can then uh, access the different services that are supposed to be there for them, which aren't always necessarily there. Uh, I was amazed at that story out of Marbella at Opium Nightclub as to how anyone could get a gun into a nightclub, but yet somebody did. Blood on the dance floor with five people shot in a rampage in a Marbella club makes the papers today. And of course, many people are coming to Ireland and a lot of them are refugees, but not from Ukraine, but not just Ukraine. There are many others coming in here as well. And unfortunately, a lot are not entitled to stay. So we have refugees now from Ukraine who are sleeping on floors and they're opening up army tents and what have you. Uh, something like 150 to 200 are coming in every day. But they have to change the rule now with regards to refugees coming in here. And I have to ask the question, why would somebody who already has a visa for another European country... Why would they then want to come to Ireland? Uh, So visa-free travel for refugees into Ireland from 20 safe European countries will be suspended for a year today to because we just have so many people coming and we just can't cope so uh, it means that people who have already been granted refugee status in another country can't come to Ireland, just can't, unless they apply for a visa to do so. If you've got a visa as a refugee in one European country, you can't come to Ireland as a refugee anymore unless you apply for a new visa. Uh, You might be interested to know that the Free Now taxi app is putting an extra euro on fares. I'm assuming this is right across the country. Um, It's an extra euro that they call a tech surcharge. So if you're making a, a journey... 
Um, they'll be adding an extra one euro onto it. And they say that it has to do with, um, I think I think the wording they use, Free Now is introducing a technology fee of a euro on all passenger journeys from the 1st of August to enable them to continue to invest in improving their technology, their app quality and their service. I mean, what's so bad about it right now that they can't just carry on as they are without adding an extra euro as a tech surcharge. I wonder what others pick up on that. And then, Dr. Neave Lynch, who I've spoken to on this program in the past, she's the consultant paediatrician in the Bon Secours, gives us an example in the mail this morning as how the world is going absolutely insane. Park Love Island for a moment, if you will. This is an Irish doctor who says there is a new trend on TikTok now that allegedly sees parents exploiting their children for likes on TikTok. You know the way it is with likes on TikTok and likes on Instagram. So apparently the parents film the children, right? And here's what they do. They rush into their child's room telling them that there's a group of people outside looking to fight them. And they're filming the child's reaction. And then they post it on TikTok. It's sick. Um, And whoever is participating in this challenge also should just really stand back or stand in the mirror and have a good goddamn look at yourself. So apparently she said they're filming them and the reactions of the children range from fear, upset, terror, rage. It's all filmed, she says. It's all uploaded. Videos of children sobbing, fearful and frightened, frightened, truly believing that they must go out on the street and fight. She says there's a real and present threat at their front door and they believe it. And apparently in these videos, the parents are egging them on. Yeah? Uh, I mean, all for likes, apparently. It's just not funny, you know? I mean, the things that people find funny are entertaining. I mean, talk to me about Love Island. I'm... In, I'm in a real vacuum with regards to Love Island because I have never watched it except in passing, going past a room or walking in when others are watching it. So I have no skin in the game here and no particular axe to grind apart from what I see making the papers this morning. There have been suicides associated with this show and there have now also been death threats. Um, and uh, it's got so bad now that the family of one of the contestants in Love Island have just had to plead with people to stop with the death threats against one of the contestants called Luca. Um, I have to bow not you know, and, and step back and say, I have no knowledge of what's going on in the show, except to wonder, is this like a blood sport? Is it like a blood sport? Here's a clip from uh, Love Island that Mark loaded for me this morning. He said she egged everybody on so that he'd come out squeaky clean. Yeah. Yes. Any craft said there, I don't take that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Mate, Mate, what we heard about Tasha, what, what, I weren't going to egg him on. <laughs> behave. Oh. Me egging on the boys was only natural when I was the only one that didn't feel like doing anything. And all I wanted the boys to do was have fun and be happy. I think they're all old enough to make their own decisions and hopefully they don't live to regret them. I mean, I'm even losing the will to live now listening to that. Lee joins me in studio because I believe you've never missed an episode. Is that right? Um, That's not quite true, Neil, but um, I'll go along with it. This series is definitely one that I have been watching a little bit more. Um, I think I just have more time at the moment in the evenings. I used to watch it and I used to think, you know, I used to th- say it's a load of rubbish and I, I suppose I'm still kind of... It's addictive. That. It is absolutely addictive. People um, from all walks of life, all walks of life, all different can, socio-demographic groups, um, even, 
even very intelligent people there's watch some, Love Island. There's something about Car Crash TV that I think you just can't take your eyes away from it. And it starts off a little bit um, innocuous as if it's all just about finding love. And I think, you know, the damage is there. It's right in front of us. Uh, this uh, one lad had to leave last week citing his mental health um, Is, there, is there a contestant in it who's 18 years old? That's Michael Owen's daughter Gemma, she's 19 19 years she, old. She's going out with that guy Luca. And what's happened with this Luca where his sister has to come out and say please stop with the death threats? Um, it's basically he, they have a, a night called movie night where they see what the other person was up to when they weren't around in Casa Amor. It's a bit of a neither here nor there really. We'll talk about this part now. Um, so basically Luca, um, I think he said some bad things behind people's backs. Um, Gemma was lightly, slightly flirting with a, another guy in the house and only very harmless stuff. Um, he kind of freaked out he he said I'm uh, effing fuming I'm go- not going near that bird he said nasty bird. things he called her a bird he said um, she was a snake um, charming yeah really nasty kind of stuff and then I think the fact that he was saying that then other that incited the abuse to come into the his sister who's minding his account and um, I think following Jack's leaving last week citing his mental health and he made a bit of a show of himself too um, after making a bit of a show of yourself like that on international television things but they like, want them to make a show of themselves they set them up for this yeah yeah. And they're these, vulnerable they yeah these people are very vulnerable they're just looking for the fame and the, the you and, know and maybe fortune. one or two will like you know like Maura Higgins and the likes but but others don't they crash to earth they're just being used really by the the production so why doesn't why doesn't Luca's sister Claudia shut down his account Pub- publicity I suppose she can't like he need if he wants to be a public figure I mean if his in- see, you have to understand that these people's Instagram followings are like the most important thing to them so if Correct. you shut down his Instagram and he loses followers that would have a huge impact on him and probably it might even have a bad impact on him if he lost his Instagram you know it's it's kind of it's the you focal it's the focal it. point of so many people's lives. Yeah. I was talking about the TikTok challenge the parents are going and frightening life out of their children for likes. Yeah. Love Island is like that, isn't it? It's it's, it's, it's yeah. It's you, getting we, likes and then hopefully setting yourself up as a, a massively successful, wealthy uh, influencer in life. And that doesn't happen to everybody, you know. A lot of them will just crash and burn, you know. Like the people are partying too much or too much money. All the money's gone down the drain after a little while or whatever. But we you, see a type like it started with Big Brother years ago, and I thought we learned enough from that. These people are still, you know, harming themselves. Even Caroline Flack, who was hosting the show suicides attached to the you show you know it, so how does it remain on TV because people watch it it like must it. be the money like the money maker and I think it's got such an innocuous kind of idea behind it about you know love and just finding people and it's really not about that at all like it's it's just people looking for a bit of fame and fortune and um, doing whatever they can to get it yeah do you feel guilty watching it or saying I shouldn't I watch feel, this I feel well I feel embarrassed saying it to people like if someone says it might, like put it this way like my parents and stuff would be like you should be watching something else something a little bit more uh, nourishing for the brain but <laughs> I can't help it like I just um, I think it's because you're left on a cliffhanger from the night before and it is like that it's like what is going to happen um, as a person who's interested I love watching the dynamic 
dynamics between them. Um, and I can't even understand half of what they're saying. Uh, yeah. Jump in if you want. I mean, do you, do you hear that on. clip there? I know what they're. I don't even know what they're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's 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 a real kind of like language of. I don't know. Very, very. Like as I agree with you, sometimes it's, it's just back and forth, and it's like this a very heavy, like English sort it's of. It's like, not very empowering for young men, or, or and and actually, let me put this as a dad of a daughter. It's not very empowering for young women. Shows like this. No. no. I, and the, the, I think the men, particularly this season, come out particularly badly. Like there isn't one man in the villa that you would say, "Oh, he's a really nice." Like normally, and I'm not that I'm a massive watcher of it, or that I'm a long time watcher of it. But normally, at this point in the show, you get a couple of couples who people say, "Okay, well, they're if you know what you're talking they're about." They're decent. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe a little bit more than I'm letting on, but you know, like a couple of couples where people say, "Okay, they're solid, they're steady enough," but like every single couple this year is this an example, Claire, of the world just getting dumber, a race to the bottom. You could definitely say that. I think that, like, Lee's point about the dynamics in there, like, I think in ways I watch it because it's like a Petri dish and you're just watching people and how people deal with other people and deal with other situations. And I think especially in a world like today where it's very easy to disappear off the radar and not text someone back and never see them again, you know, break up with people over text or just, you know, completely like disappear ghost. You know, it kind of shows people when they have to they have to have a conversation with but someone. But it make you uncomfortable watching them. There are definitely moments, yeah, that make it uncomfortable. But I think that... Do you ever think this is wrong? This should not be on TV. Yeah, and when things happen, like when there are incidents like suicides... Three people died, or, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, they have, yeah. And I think that like the show is trying to to get better aftercare for contestants and better care in there that there's people for them to go and talk to and and things like that but you know I don't know if that's really working or if it's a solution yeah but this the, somebody said to me this morning and Kira said more people wa- are watching Love Island this season than ever watched it before yeah I think people are being for blood at the moment as well you know we're it's well a blood more sport to, then yeah and we're calling people out on stuff um, I think it goes it's in both ways I mean you can go way too hard with people but then at the same time watching it I'm like you shouldn't be able to speak to someone like that mm. regardless of whether it's a man saying it to a woman or a woman saying to a man um, they shouldn't be allowed to speak to each other or treat each other like that especially in front of cameras I just I don't know how they can do it but um, I think as a public they the public really is kind of riled up at the moment so what happens if this guy Luca comes out and somebody actually does attack him stabs him shoots him assaults him I mean in ha- the real world they'd have to pull the show probably like if if it got that bad I mean I, I was surprised enough that they didn't pull it after Caroline Flack's mm-hmm. um, yeah. suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know. Um, so it's a bit like us when we slow down passing a car crash. Yeah, we're just rubbernecking. Yeah, we shouldn't do it, but we do. Yeah. But I think one of the things about the show is particularly about this year's show, and the only positive that I could take from it is like I watch it with my girlfriend and we watch it and we kind of go oh my god like that there's so many red flags in terms of the toxicity in relationships I think it's it's in one way it would be great to show people like this isn't normal this is not how you should speak to people this in relationships and seeing the backlash that those people are getting 
kind of I, I don't know I'd like to think that there's younger people watching it thinking okay God I should probably shouldn't do that I probably shouldn't tell my partner to shut up I probably shouldn't tell my partner or swear, swear at them or lose my head with them because and that all happens on this show does it? Mm. yeah I mean people screaming at each other calling be, each other abusive names it wouldn't be very yeah. severe but at the end of the day it is being Done. It's immature. Yeah. It comes across as a lot of the arguing is very immature. So your man last week just walked out. He just couldn't hack it, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, he sort of flipped out a small bit because, again, the, they're a bit possessive of the women, some of the lads, um, and they can't seem to take it then if the girl starts speaking to someone else, which is the name of the game. You know, it's not possessive island. It's <laughs> love island. And, you know, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. A statement from uh, Luca Bish. Is that it? Is that his name? Yeah, Luca Bish, he sells fish. Okay, Luca Bish, he sells fish. Well, he hopes not to have to do that anymore and be a big, huge influence superstar. His sister says, I want to apologize on behalf of Luca for his insensitive reaction on last night's episode. I know that when he watches it back, he'll be embarrassed and deeply apologetic. Was that name calling or something or freaking out or losing the rag? Yeah, so it was regarding, I think, the snake, the tattoo. Um, you're, he said, you were entertaining that guy, uh, that sort of stuff. Okay. Uh, we do understand he's in an intense environment. We don't condone his behaviour. It was not reflective of the boys we know him. But please be aware, death threats and nasty comments totally overstepped the mark and something we as a family should not have to endure. For this reason, we have turned off the comments and messages. Of course, all this is doing now is making people want to see Love, Love Island, the next episode tonight, is it? Yeah, pretty much. I'm going to be tuning in again tonight. Well, I won't actually be tonight, but I will catch up with it tomorrow. Um, definitely. Just, I suppose, have to see the, the carnage happening in front of me. Same there? Yeah, like I think, again, it is kind of like, I, like wondering, you're really thinking what's going through these people's heads and how they're going to deal with the next step and how they, you know, how they speak to people, how they deal with their relationships, whether it be friendships or, you know, romantic involvement and just seeing like, what are they going to do next? You know, it, it, like it, it is more about the psyche, I think, But do you pick up on a generation with a lot of anger issues? Yeah, and I, I think it does come back to kind of mental health things as well and a lot of suppressed emotions, you know, and I think that happened to the guy, Jax, who walked uh, last week. I think he had a lot of other things going on and he wasn't in the right frame of mind to go on does a show like this. Does he get help now? post show kind yeah. of help I'm not 100% sure of that not they claim that they sure do I think one of the biggest problems with Love Island is people treat it like a soap opera they treat the people as characters because they don't you know they, oh, they're not well, directly like related to them so yeah. they don't really they almost think of them as you actors you are here to entertain me yeah. yeah they don't think of them as actual real people so when they slag them off they never think they're actually going to see that or their families are going to see that when in actual fact you know if you're running somebody's Instagram account you're a family member and you're seeing all this abuse it's like saying you know you watch EastEnders and Phil Daniels does something I don't know if that's a really out of date reference but Phil Daniels does something and you go oh, I can't believe he did that what an absolute X, Y and Z whereas these are actual real people that's they're it. not just and that's the difference and you've yeah. got to bear that in mind let's see what the public think particularly if you're watching Love Island or as they're calling it in the sun this morning Hate Island text 0868104106 text the Neil Brinderville show now 0868104106 Red FM just with regards to uh, the TikTok likes and parents uh, using their children as clickbait give me a break Neil go watch the videos why don't you it's funny don't be so dramatic it won't tra- traumatise the kids you're part of the problem make- making society so soft give it up now well I'm not actually part of it because I do think that society is becoming way too soft I really and truly do I think 
even even examples of, of Love Island and how it can really control your mind and, you know, get you hooked on something that really is just like a blood sport. Uh, but I, I'm only looking at what I'm hearing in the papers this morning. I don't know the TikTok videos. I haven't seen them. But I think running into a child's bedroom, frightening the life out of them while holding your phone. Um, I don't know whether the phone is evident to the child that you're doing it or whether they kind of hide the phone a bit and just trying to get their reaction, tell them there's a group down and the road want to fight them and you have to go out and fight them. I think anything that puts fear into a young child, even for a couple of seconds, not good, particularly if you... You see, then the, the parents then probably sit around and watch the likes clicking up and clicking up and... Uh, I think uh, Nia Lynch from the from the Bonds, of course, calls it uh, that they're bathing in a dopamine fix from it. You know, the uh, hormone that's released. Um, anyway, it's just a point. It's just the way things are going these days with social media use of mobile phones. Your thoughts are welcome at that text 0868104106 and indeed uh, on Love Island. Um, who, who am I to judge? I don't, I don't watch it, so I can't actually comment on any of the particular episodes. I only pick it up when I see it making the newspapers. Maybe I will sit down and see it, watch an episode of it. If I could even understand what they're saying. Anyway, back to the phone lines we go. Uh, pick up the phone, 0818104106. Patricia got in touch on behalf of her son, who's working overseas. Patricia, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I appreciate you, you holding. Son? Thank you so much. Your son's working in Syria, is he? He is. He is, okay. yeah. And, yeah. Fr- and from Syria, did he organise the, the, the uh, attic conversion or renovation, is it? Well, he was here. He, right. he organised it. Okay. He, um, he heard um, Michael back in October 21. And before he even started it, he asked for 5,000 euros. Right. He was recommended by a neighbour and they thought that, that it looked good what he had done already. Yeah. But the minute he came then, the excuse after excuse he gave the whole time. He would go missing for weeks on end. He couldn't get a plumber for weeks, which ended up with Laura having to get one herself. Michael said he would have the job finished by Christmas. He said it would take two to three weeks and nine months later, they're still waiting. And why hasn't it been finished? How much has been paid over? 17,000 euro. Okay. And how much is the whole job? 22. Okay. So there's, there's only five outstanding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what, what, work was, no, what work was being done? What work has been done? I sent up pictures there. I don't know if you get them. No. So um, the work that has been done is there's no plastering done. There's no, there's no stairs going up into the attic. There's no flooring done. It's 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 absolutely shocking. And what do they want to put up there? A bedroom, was it? It's either a bedroom or a floor, more floor, more floor space, you know? Yeah, okay, okay, okay. So is there a hole then in the ceiling? A big, huge hole in the ceiling. Big, huge hole. And because of that, uh, then, it's, the, free, it's been freezing up there and they've had to move the beds down to the downstairs, is it? No, they, no, they didn't move the beds downstairs. When, when, the, when the winter months were very cold there, um, well, well, maybe a month or two where that was very cold, they, Laura would sometimes light the fire downstairs and stay downstairs with the kids because of the draft that was coming down. It's a huge, huge hole there, like. Away. And when was the work started? October. 21st. October and 20, no, October 21. Okay, October 21. And was there, a ti- was there a time scale given as to when the work would be finished? Three weeks. In October? Yes. And so why, why are we still talking about it unfinished in July? Because he, he hasn't finished it, he kept making up excuses and never coming to finish it. Like, and she also has, like, he even promised the children, he even promised her, uh, Carly, my granddaughter, that he'd have the stairs, that he'd, come on the, that he'd be coming on the Friday, and he promised on his stepdaughter's life that the stairs would be coming. And what and happens, when you, when, what happens when you phone? When we went, we went down to his door, actually, 
went down to his door and called him on the 27th of June, 22. And we told him we'd tell everybody and that I would go on the air if he didn't either finish the job or give them back their money. Right. 17,000 euro is a lot of money, Neil. But there must be a reasonable excuse. Is it that he can't get labour? Maybe he can't get people to do the work? Maybe he can't get the parts? Maybe, maybe, maybe can't... people don't want to work for him. Well, I don't know? know anything about that. Let's, let's be fair yeah. until I have an opportunity yeah. to talk to the guy. Yeah, that's it. That's so, it, like, because okay, so the fact, yeah. 17 grand has been paid over. The job was supposed yeah. to take three weeks back in October. This is yeah. July. And when was yeah. the last time anybody was on site doing any work? The last time that he was on site was, wait, no, please, get back to you, was he came up in the 11th of July. Okay. And was there some work done then? He came, he was there by himself. Okay. I think he was just potting around. There was, there was no stairs put in or anything like it. It was okay. just uh, okay. maybe a board that was put up on the wall or something because there's two walls exposed. And the other two are, are slabs. Ah, that's taken. That's taken a long, long time. Let's let's see if we can give us one one last push to get it over the line. See what he has to say on the matter. All yeah, right. Okay. Perfect. Okay. All right. Get it done. In all fairness, that's taken way too long. October to July. Um, we'll come back to you on that one with an update as soon as we have a chat with the chap involved in it. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Um, you know, we were chatting yesterday about that uh, that stabbing incident at uh, Fitzgerald Park on Sunday afternoon. I did. Get quite an amount of texts and emails and, and calls on that, and then it also led, led us into issues involving uh, obviously problems with regards to the ambulance. But that wasn't the the problem on on Sunday afternoon because it was a big event at Fitzgerald Park on Sunday afternoon, and I suppose there was an awful lot of emergency services there because of the event at Fitzgerald Park, and that actually probably helped with regards to getting the aid and the treatment uh, and the help to the lad who was stabbed and getting him to hospital faster. If there had been no event and it was a quiet day, then maybe the emergency services wouldn't, well they clearly wouldn't have been there and probably wouldn't have got there fast enough. Um, I got a statement in from um, Mallow Search and Rescue uh, and they've always been very good with regards to coming on air and I'm always keen to uh, always let people know the super work they do and Willie Walsh is their PRO and he joins me by phone. Willie, good morning. Morning Neil, how are you doing? Um, you were providing a safety boat to cover the event at Fitzgerald's Park on the water Sunday. Now bear in mind there was about 5,000 people there, wasn't that the case? Yeah, that's correct. That was quite busy. Yeah, okay. we were patrolling the water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And were you there? No, I wasn't. Personally, myself, I wasn't there. No. Okay. But you, but you've spoken to members who were. What did Absolutely. they? What did, What do your members who were in the boat on the water and the rib tell you they saw? Yeah, well, what they were, they were patrolling the river, um, quite close to Fitzgerald Park, and suddenly they were alerted um, by a security guard on Shaky Bridge that an incident had happened on the opposite bank of the river. So. Yeah, they went there as quickly as they could look and they found this young chap, he was stabbed and uh, he was in a rather precarious position on the bank of the river. And The, the Sunday's well side, so, was it? Yes, yes, indeed, right. yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. And he was in danger of falling in, so the, the the most important thing was to get him into the boat as quickly as they could and once they did, then they applied first aid to him and uh, took him across to the other side to Fitzgerald Park and the oh. other road um, from Carrigaline were present, the paramedics were there and they tended to him then and waited for the HSE ambulance to come. So, yeah, it was all a bit hectic for a few minutes, I believe, yeah. Yeah, so they were on the water, um, did what you just said, the order of, order of Malta paramedics were there, then the ambulance arrived, and clearly then also the Garda Shikona. Um, Absolutely, yeah. He, was, he, he was a, was he, uh, did I hear he's 14 years old, I believe? Was that 14, the 14, I believe, yeah, that's his age. Okay. Yeah. okay, and taken to CUH with very serious but not life-threatening injuries. They, they didn't see what kicked off or anything, Willie, did they? 
No, no, they didn't because they said the fact that it was on the opposite side, you know, they were paying their attention to where all the people were and keeping an eye out for any event that may or may not occur and, you know, it was, it was more or less behind them and until the security guard brought it to their attention. So, yeah. So the lad was on the bank, clearly stabbed and in distress. Were there other young fellas around him then or young girls or was he all on his own, do you know? I think, I believe he was on his own at that stage, Neil, but I wouldn't be 100% sure of that now, the fact I wasn't present. Okay. Do you do you think the fact that you guys were on the water um, meant, you know, that if, if you hadn't been there, if there hadn't been an event there, we could be talking about an entirely different scenario? I believe so, yeah, because as I said, uh, his position on the bank was... Um, you know, it was he was in danger, very much in danger of, of slipping into the river, and uh, obviously he was bleeding, and you know the, the body is going to get weaker, and you know oh you never god. know what was going to happen. Oh my god! So, so we were lucky yeah. that there was an event on there because when there's an event like that, all of the various emergency services are there, including yourselves. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It was it's not the scene we're normally confronted with when we go out on calls, but then we have to expect anything when we do. Absolutely, you know, and, yeah. and we do, we do. Um, safely boats into the river in Cork quite often you know we've been there present for the Elton John concert and the Ed Sheeran concert so yeah. you know it's obviously very important to be there yeah 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 yeah. no no issues at any of those gigs so there wasn't on the water and no, like that uh, there was a small one just with a couple of people got into difficulty with a, a boat for the Elton John one and the Cove Gardaí contacted us and we they saw the guys again on the river started and so yeah other what, than that no what did that involve just pulling them to shore or pulling them to the uh, yeah, just getting the, the, the tide had gone a bit low and they just got into a safe place and waited for the tide to rise the following morning and <laughs> go on down, go on down merry way we're there overnight <laughs> they come up in the boats and they just moor off Parky Cueve there on the water to get a free gig isn't it here the gig absolutely that's it that's <laughs> so your statement yesterday wanted to thank all of the emergency services who also came following your request for help and backup wasn't yeah it? for sure yeah absolutely and everybody when a situation like that of course everybody just gets involved with each other and helps each other out and we, you know we'd also like obviously to wish that young men you know, the very best and hope he can recover properly from his ordeal. Without a doubt. He's in good hands where he is in the CUH. Thanks, Willie. Appreciate you taking the call. No and, problem, And uh, continued success with the wonderful work you guys do, Mallow Search and Rescue. Cheers. Have a good day, Willie. Thank you. Take Thank care. You. Uh, this Bye. is my first time contacting you, but I feel I need to contact you now. The boy that uh, did the stabbing yesterday was swimming with a couple of lads and he himself was first attacked. I think there was three or four beating on him and they had also beaten him three days before. Um, there are many traveller kids going around beating up Brandon kids for no reason whatsoever. And I think that kid felt that he had to carry something with him to protect himself um, from the beating that he got uh, recently. They keep beating him up every time they see him. He was actually being bullied by this group for a while. Uh, you have no idea of the bullying going on all over the north side by travellers on young innocent kids outplaying and minding their own business. My own 12-year-old was one of them, one of their victims a couple of months ago. I could be here all day telling you about the kids that I know who were assaulted badly by these particular bullies. Uh, it just felt I had to message in because the kid that did the stabbing uh, was never, never did anything like this before. And he was only going for a swim until some other boys crossed his path. It's very sad. And I'm not justifying any boy carrying a knife because I don't agree with anyone carrying a weapon are using one. And that by text. One other one, Terry says, great credit due to the Order of Malta Carrigaline unit who attended the stabbing in the park. They did fantastic work and possibly saved that 14-year-old's life. 
They were very professional, says Terry. There you go. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. On the weather, Bernadette says, Hey Neil, what's going on? What's the wet stuff falling from the sky? Where's the hot yellow ball gone? I bet the ducks, the grass and the mossy banks are happy. Well, we need a small little bit of a sprinkling for the flowers and the trees and the grass and also for the little insects that uh, are out and about. So it's only a temporary thing. As I said earlier on this morning... Don't panic! Don't panic! Right. <laughs> <laughs> It'll improve again. Can't be thinking about how brilliant, actually, uh, Dad's army was. Right, what you like. You're not going to win this war. Oh, yes, we are. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> Whistle while you work. Hitler is at work. He's half army, so's his army. Whistle while you work. Your name will also go on the list. <laughs> what is it? Don't tell him, Pike. Pike. <laughs> Oh, man, if you've seen it, good for you. If not, you're one of the lucky ones. You can watch them all for the very first time. Talking about funny things, actually, I've seen the papers this morning that the Embassy of Pakistan has warned its citizens if they're travelling to Ireland that there are some things that they need to steer clear of. It's a bit of banter and it's light-hearted, but it's a list of 24 do's and don'ts that they give Pakistani people who are tourists coming to Ireland uh, a bit of a steer as to what they should avoid. And they're saying... Uh, Some of them include uh, in the list of 24 do's and don'ts. uh, Tread carefully around Anglo-Irish relations. Do not say Ireland is part of the British Isles. Don't call Irish people English. Uh, Of course, we are very touchy-feely about that. And uh, the star correctly reminds us of uh, when there was a lot of anger uh, when British publications and television stations back in the day were calling the boxing star Katie Taylor Uh, from the UK. They were saying she was British. They also claimed normal people actor Paul Meskell as being from the UK as well. So we're sensitive about that. Um, They also said, do not mention leprechauns. Um, Leprechauns, um, they also, in the mail this morning, remind us that there was a survey done in America last year which revealed that the fighting Irish leprechaun costume used by the University of Notre Dame Uh, the basketball team, was one of the most offensive mascots in American sports. But they say be very careful about that and lots more besides. But amongst them, leprechauns. Oh, they also say don't take offence to the banter or the swearing, saying that Irish people swear quite a bit. Don't worry about it. It's all light-hearted fun. Don't take it seriously. So it's a list of do's and don'ts from the uh, Pakistani embassy for people travelling to Ireland. Uh, text 0868104106. I'm sure you could add to that list, actually. Feel free to do so. Mike, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. Okay, um, we're talking beaches here. We're talking yeah. an opportunity for people to actually head to the water. Uh, yeah. But you wanted to pick up on that, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be all welcome, the, the beautiful weather and everything in it. But of course, the downside to a drive scene on Sunday evening, I went for a walk. I moved to a county Cork town recently, the Harbour Town. A beautiful beach there, and the absolute litter in the area was absolutely frightening. Now, in fairness, some people are very responsible. They bring their bags and they bring them to the local bins in the area, but some people just discard all their crap all over the place and they have no regard for anybody. And of course, like, looking at the carriages in the area, they come from all over. It's just not a cock problem. Obviously, this has gone on with a while, but people just need to wise up and, you know, bring a bag with you and show a bit of respect. Are there any bins there? Oh, there's ample bins there, but you have areas where you have a gap between bins, quite a gap between But are, is there any big industrial bin with a big fly no. lid on it? What, you see, why not? 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the council guys do a brilliant job because I've seen the following morning. I live on the beachfront and the council guys does a brilliant job because they take all the excess rubbish away with them because the bin's not big enough. But it's just people on the beach. The areas in between, they just throw all that crap around the place. And I'm not condoning that at all in any yeah. way, shape or form, yeah. but there'll yeah. always will be thick people who will continue to do that. And why don't the county councils get the big, huge bins that we see in Spain and Italy and France and Greece and all of these places with the big fly lids on them, the massive ones, and just let people fill them up? I don't think it make a difference now, let's be honest, deal with you. I don't think it make a difference. Some people just have this mindset that they have whatever bottle of water or whatever and just throw it on the ground. That's it, leave it for somebody else. Oh, do you don't think that you're just too lazy no. or too stupid yeah, to bring it from attitude, the beach to the bed? Attitude. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll do it attitude. You know, we teach our kids, like, you know, young people. I think there should be a program in the schools, you know, about litter because it's a massive problem at the moment. Huge problem. It's been a problem for a long time. And describe the type of stuff that's been left on the beaches. <laughs> everything, Neil, everything. Bottles, uh, wrappings, uh, fast food, uh, cartons, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, well, yeah. It, 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 is that more related to people who are going down having a party there at night, maybe? No, I hear no, problems no, no. in Crosshaven in no. that regard, Fountainstown. No, I don't think so. It's people, day, it's day trippers, like, you know, day visitors, it is. Families, you Family, mean? Families, yeah, definitely, yeah. Now, as I say, on the flip side, a lot of people are very, very good. They bring their rubbish to the bins, which means they might have to walk maybe 100 metres or 50 metres, and they leave it there, which you get a massive build-up of rubbish on the bin, with the bins, like, just they're not big enough to take that kind of access. Uh, material like but like some people are just branded yeah, like yeah, just no yeah. cop on like that's I know a lot of communities have to go out and do beach cleanups themselves yes and I was out there myself last night I got my picker yesterday and I took off last night because you know it's my the way I look at it I live on the beachfront it's my back garden so I like to keep that tidy and you know a bit of respect for the place a bit of pride where I live in so you have to go out and clean up after them, you and other neighbours like you? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been saying this for years, though, and people like yeah. you have been talking about this for years. It doesn't seem to make a blind bit of difference. That's why I'm suggesting no. that the council could do something with regards to bigger skips, but you're saying, nah, they wouldn't be bothered with them either. No, they wouldn't. It wouldn't make no difference in the world, you know. That's the sad thing about it, like, you know. No, yeah. we don't need, we were talking about maybe a month in the year when this happens. We don't have a problem in the winter time or off-season. It's just when we get this massive uh, heat break, uh, everybody flocks to the beach and everything goes out the windows regards having a bit of a respect for themselves. I know, I know. All too often we talk about this when the weather gets good. So this is just a call out to people to take your junk home with you. Absolutely. I'll take at least the, the bin, the nearest bins, because there is ample bins in the area, but no, they're small bins, like, but there is ample bins available by the council and they do a brilliant job. The guys on the vans do a brilliant job. I've seen their work down there. They take everything away. That's but don't you think that the bigger ones are are, are a part of the the solution? No. Well, like it wouldn't be practical to put those big bins in the area between the beach and the, you know, the beachfront. It wouldn't be practical uh, because you have sand dunes as well along the area and you've no way to put them. Like, oh, you know, well, okay. All right, let it be a shout out for people to yeah. cop on, take your junk Absolutely. home. You brought it with you, take it home with you. Good point. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Thanks so much. Thank uh, Thank what is this? I was talking about some light showers there between, say, uh, quarter to nine. I hope they're they're gone now. It's still quite dark out there, but I did get a uh, video in. Obviously, I can't play videos, but I can play the audio video. This is from Patrick. Uh, he's talking about thunder in y'all at the moment. Have a listen to this. That is thunder. Wow. 
High pressure, you see. Heat does that. I'm no meteorologist, but usually that happens when you have a lot of heat and intense heat. A lot of stuff gets trapped and then clouds collide and you get thunder. And I imagine you probably had a fair old fall of water in you all then as well. A fair old fall of rain. Anyway, thank you for that, Patrick. I remember when I was a child that my feet used to be sticking to the tar with the heat. Uh, The warnings you were on about yesterday are just a load of hype. There were no warnings back then and we'd have blisters on our legs, but everything would be fine. It's all propaganda that people enjoy the heat, says John, from yesterday's summer weather. Well, they were telling me that there was a warning out that roads would be melting. You're dead right. People deserve half days when the sun is shining. My daughter in the UK can finish her last hour or two at home and can also choose to start early. She can go to work at half six in the morning and go home early. Ireland needs to catch up with things like this. It'd be much better for everyone. Yeah, I was suggesting when the weather got good that maybe people could just call it a half day and say, listen, you know, go enjoy it. It won't be here for a long, long time. I think the big reason that people are feeling so hot is the way that new houses are built these days. They're so airtight. There's no fresh air going through them anymore. I can only imagine the heat of the houses with the big glass fronts. Yeah, very hot in the summer and cold in the winter. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now, 086-8104-106, Red FM. And people are, lots of different texts and topics from the past few days. Paddy says Fine Gael is no longer the working class and law and order party anymore. It's the woke party, says Paddy. There was a story from yesterday's program where Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, they're saying, have lost the uh, people who get up in the morning and go out to work. Uh, another issue regarding the uh, safety on the water and what have you is Frank, who says people who vandalise life boys should get automatic jail. And then jet skis, which are uh, an added addition to our waterways now. Uh, another bunch of wallies on jet skis. They're nothing but spoiled brats with too much money, burning their own hole in the ozone layer. Another toy like the scooters. They should all be taxed. Uh, And somebody actually was listening to conversations regarding jet skis on the water from yesterday's program. Says, I just want, and this is from a local boat owner, wanted to clarify a few points from the girl you had on chatting about jet skis on the air. I was at Paddy's Point Slip yesterday and saw both skis on the water. The girl with the Yamaha Wave Runner and the dad without the life jacket and his two kids on the back. They were on a Honda Aquatrax. 1200cc, a very stable ski. The rules for jet skis on the water are no messing within 250 metres of the coastline, no doing donuts, splashing or being at speed 250 metres from the coastline. I saw the girl on the wave runner less than 100 metres from the pontoon doing donuts and generally not following the rules that she was tooting on about on air. Yes, the dad on the Honda Aquatrax had no life jacket on He took kids up in the back with him now. But in fairness, he was crawling around with the kids, bringing them for a spin. There is a six-knot rule when you come past Blackrock Castle all the way down into town. So that girl shouldn't have been speeding up and down the river. Kind regards, says a local boat owner. And one or two more can't afford to go to hotels. They will kill kill trade uh, and they'll be back cap in hand after the summer is gone. The hoteliers, that is, and the prices they're charging. Um, Also, one or two more with regards to thugs and wasters. It's so repetitive, Neil, and extremely frustrating. It's just like a merry-go-round. Thugs and wasters are laughing, listening to us civilised people talking about them. 
but we're doing nothing. The only thing we're doing about these scumbags is repeating ourselves over and over again. So there's that and lots more besides. Here it is from the perspective of somebody who's living amongst us from overseas. In regards to your topic about unruly teenagers, and this probably goes back to Sunday afternoon at Fitzgerald's Park. I agree that something needs to be done, and sooner rather than later. I've lived in Yall for the past 14 years, but I'm originally from New Jersey. Where I'm from, there are options for teenagers who do not listen and wreak havoc. Either they get juvenile hall or they get military school. Having a nephew who was sent to military school at 13 because of his bad behavior, I can confirm that these work Why don't we have facilities like this over here? I have a 10-year-old son, and if he was acting like some of these kids, he would be sent somewhere to be dealt with accordingly, says Kimberly, referencing how they do it in America with juvenile hall or indeed military school. Um, Text 0868104106 if you think that's the way forward. Calls on the way. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Mark says by email that uh, Love Island is something I've watched for years, and so this year is no different, but I'm watching it more out of habit than enjoyment. I'm honestly not sure how the show actually remains on air. It seems the whole purpose of the program is to create conflict and toxic relationships while views watch it, while viewers watch it like a baying mob. I have no idea how some of the contestants on this year's show have got through the psychological tests that ITV claim they do. There was this guy called Jacques, and it was obvious to me that he was not in a fit state to be judged by the public. He clearly had issues relating to anger and mental health, and I don't know how the program makers can say they take their care of duty seriously. In recent episodes, another one of the lads, Luca, has come to the front, and to be honest, he has come across as a controlling misogynist, but this is a real person with real problems, and for him to now be subjected to trial by social media just makes ITV look morally bankrupt. It's very uncomfortable to watch for much of the time. The fact this TV show is still on air is surprising, especially considering its checkered history, but maybe I'm part of the problem because I still watch it every night, says he, by email to neil at redfm.ie. So keep those texts and uh, emails coming and we'll plough back into them throughout the, throughout the course of the morning. Don't forget also, we get some more wonderful family passes to take you and the family and the kids off to some of the fabulous tourist attractions in our beautiful county to give away again this morning. Uh, and I'll tell you more about the actual passes that we have between 11 o'clock and, uh, and midday today. Back to the phone lines we go. Louise? Yep. Louise, um, I, I got a very long email from you, you know, and, and rather than yeah. just reading it out on air. No, I, I appreciate you've got a lot on your mind. R- rather than reading it out on air, I thought it'd be better if you just told your own story yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, basically, I have two kids with autism, ADHD. Um, my daughter has um, anxiety as well. And... I gave up work when my daughter was born because my son need my son kind of needed me more. Yeah, like he's just, ten now and she's seven. Know, so when your daughter was born, your seven, son yeah. was three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I could see he needed more help and everything. So and because it cost the childcare too, I said, "Look, I'm giving up. I'm you know I'm I'm giving up work to look after them. You know." Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been at home since then. What were you working at at the time? Do you mind me asking? I was a chef. Okay. And you, you worked all your life, didn't you? Yeah. 
Oh yeah, teacher. Yeah. From you a young, know, from a young age. Yeah, I worked in Super Value. <laughs> Since I was about 15, I got a job in Super Value and I've always earned money, you know, that kind of way. So you had a great work ethic. You said, I started working at 15 stacking shelves and, some, and worked sometimes three jobs just to get by and pay the rent. Yeah. Yes, you were, well ab- you were well able to work. Yeah. And, yeah, well capable of working and were happy to work, yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, jeez, yeah, 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 you know. Yeah. Um, always have been, you know. And enjoyed it too, to be honest, but, you know, the circumstances changed and that was it, like. Um, but, yeah, we, um, I, what I'm trying to think now, what I said to you. Um, you don't, oh, you don't have it in front of you there, okay. Well, let, let I me don't have you. it in front of it me. Was no, your, it was your decision to leave to care for your son yeah. and your daughter so, because you felt that they needed your full-time care. You're their main carer full-time while your husband works okay. full-time, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and basically, if you leave work, you're not entitled to anything. So you're not entitled to social welfare or anything because you've left work. Mm. Mm. Which, you know, for, I, I suppose, fair enough, I don't know. Um, so so if, somebody, like, if somebody leaves their job, can they ever sign on for social welfare or dole or anything? I don't like that? know. I don't know. But at the time, I was told that basically it's your own problem, you left your job. Oh, but were that you, was ages ago too, so might have changed by then. Were you entitled to um were you entitled to receive domiciliary care allowance or anything like that? Yeah, I got I got DCA for Sean and when we got Daisy diagnosed, I got DCA for her, so I applied for carers allowance. And that was in the start of the year. Um that I applied for carers allowance for her. And basically in between it all anyhow, my husband got a promotion in March and they just want to take all all the curious payments away from me now even Sean's because they're means tested you is it Mean, yeah, it is means tested, yeah. And I just think the system's very unfair. So when, you like got, when, when your husband got a promotion, he earned more money, and did that put you above the threshold for carers allowance? Yeah, it does. It's, he earns more money before tax. But after tax, he's not seeing much difference because... Ah, I see what you're saying. So you're means tested yeah. on the before tax salary. Yeah. Ah, for God's sake. So that's... That must be very difficult for you now if you've lost the, the carers allowance and there's no huge change to your income. Yeah, well, they're stopping the payment on the 28th, Sean's payment on the 28th of this month. So I'm, I, like, I'm after repeating it. I sent off a letter to them yesterday, but I just think the whole system is very, very unfair. Yeah, I know, and it's like, upsetting, yeah. When I've been very independent too, like, it's just... <laughs> I don't know, it's just... I've always had my own money, always. Like, we do have a joint account, obviously, but we have our own personal accounts as well. Yeah, and yeah. it's just... It's like I've done nothing. It's like I'm just staying at home, drinking coffee all day, and you know, yeah, doing so, nothing. Yeah, so you, you, I think you were saying. Do you think this that do you think that as a woman in this modern country, I'm not seen as an actual worker at all? That I'm actually no. a nobody that just stays at home and does nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I feel at the moment now. Yeah. Yeah. That your contribution. And the looking after your children, who are both on the spectrum and a lot of complicated issues, counts for nothing. No. Yeah. And we don't get much help. Like, you know, we fight for absolutely everything for the kids. You know, like, and like we pay for everything too for the kids. You know, yeah. we're like, 
Because your, yours, yours is a job. I'm waiting list, I'm waiting list. Yeah. I think I'd do my job anyhow, but <laughs> in, in the government's eyes, I'm not. In the government's eyes, I'm just at home doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. Make make people think about in situations like that, not actually looking for a promotion, you know, and keeping their head down and staying as they are and protecting what they have. Yeah. Because you probably lost more money now than you gained with the promotion that your husband got. Well, yeah, and what you've lost to your Neil, independence as well. Yeah, basically, and what happened to Neil is like, um, with my husband at the start of the year, he decided to go and get tax back. And I got a letter from the Revenue saying that I've been working since 2015, which obviously I haven't. So I rang them and they said, oh, we're we're meant to put you down as carers, but we put you down as as an employee. Okay, yeah. So they changed that over and they said, you do owe two and a half grand, though, because you're meant to be paying tax on us. And now they're looking for two and a half grand? Oh, like, that's basically anything extra my, my husband is paying it's going towards that now. Oh, man, it's So he hasn't nightmare. seen any part of this promotion at all. And I understand people make mistakes and everything, but, like, we're not any, earning any extra money. So, you, so you're minding them, yeah, you're minding the two f- children full-time. The carer's yeah. allowance you was getting was the only independent money that you had for the work that you were doing. Yeah. And bear in mind, you're, you're very highly qualified as, as a chef, worked for 40 years, um, and now because you're a married woman and your husband's work works, you count for nothing independently of that. Yeah, basically. Yeah. What, what yeah. Why don't you, okay, you could sign on though for social welfare. I don't know. Yeah, you, I don't can, you can claim social welfare when you leave your job after an, after nine weeks. So I think you can. Okay, can you? Yeah. Because at the time I was told I couldn't. Mm, uh, no, no, about that. I mean, I can, I can, I can dig a little deeper there. But if you've worked for forty years and you've paid into a system with tax for forty years, then you're entitled to. I, w- I would have thought you would be, you know. But yeah, the, but the big, but the big question. At the time, I think it was because I was married and he was working. I think as well. There's that's all something to do with being married, and if you're. It depends what what's coming into the household. Yeah, you know? but it's it's also about what value do we put on a mother who gives up a career, a forty-year career, um, having started well, working. Well, not forty. The, well, I'm forty. Fifth, fifth, yeah, okay. You're forty. <laughs> my apologies. Well, you've worked all, worked all your life, on. gave up your career. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. What value is put on somebody like that who is actually a full-time carer for two children who otherwise would be causing huge amounts of expense to the state? Yeah, basically. So if you want to go, if you want to go meet friends, go out for a cup of coffee, as you said yourself, get your hair done or have a treat for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I have to use his money from from next month on. I'll have to use his money. Um, Which I know, it's uh, like I know it's our money. People are saying, "Oh, you know, it's your money, your marriage." But when you're after. For so many years, every year old money. And this is all back to... The mindset of it is crazy. Yeah. This is all back to getting a promotion at work, being means-tested because of it, and everything then being withdrawn as a consequence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there should be means-tested. I think there should be like a, I don't know, a set amount or something. 
that there should but be there a value and a price put on being the main carer full time. Yes, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, years and years you ago, know. there was no payments for anything like this whatsoever. You know. Okay, I yeah. didn't. I I wouldn't know that actually. I just yeah. know that you know, but. I don't know, it's just like back to school and the cost of living here has gone up crazy. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Have you been diagnosed with depression and anxiety as a consequence to this? Yeah, I have myself, yeah. And are you on medication now for that? I am, yeah, I'm on medication first. And is your I husband am, yeah. on medication also? He is, yeah, he's on medication for what? anxiety as well, yeah. Right. And is is all of this depression and anxiety as a consequences of a consequence of how, trying to survive? Yeah, I would say worry, I would say, to be worry, worry, and worry stress. and well, a lot of worries. Like you know, are the kids going to be okay? I know. Like, yeah, yeah. You I know. know. I know. Worrying about their and, like, future. For, for years, like my daughter wouldn't sleep till. Like, she'd get up at four o'clock every morning. It's only the last six months she's getting up at, like, six o'clock. So, it was a very, you know, you it's a hard, hard time, like, yeah. hard. Yeah, you I know. know. It's not easy. I know, I know, I know. I've seen texts coming you know? in on this already. If she's a full-time carer yeah. and has lost her entitlement to her carer's payment because of her husband's income, she should get still get the carer's support grant each June. Um, there, there's also a yeah. respite grant in, in June. It's 1,850 euro. Are you aware of that? Yeah. You get that if you have DCA and you get it automatically. Yeah. Another one saying then, uh, unfortunately, that if you, uh, you won't get social welfare because if you were to get social welfare, you have to be avail- available to work outside of the home, that is, you know? Yeah. So that would even prevent you claiming dole or social welfare. Because I think you can work 18 hours, but sure I can't. No. How can I? And it's full-on work, isn't you know? it? It's full-on. Yeah, full-on. Full-on, 24 hours a day. Yeah, so really it's, it's about the value that we put on people who stay at home to mind their children who need full-time care, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I just think it's... like. It, it's just so hard because we do fight for every single thing as well, like, you know. It's sexist, everything. isn't it? Well, this, I I guess there's lots of carers that are, that are men too, so I don't know. I don't know about being a sexist, but I don't know if there's a situation where there's a man staying at home and... He's okay. Well, let, let me position, let me you know? yeah. Well, let me get some other people's opinions and thoughts and stories on this because I'm quite sure there are others listening who also would want to get involved in this conversation. So, thanks, Louise. But uh, do stay listening. You know, let's see what other people have to say on the subject. Appreciate, okay. appreciate Thank the you email. So much for, Thank you so much for for leaving me on, and you know. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Take care. Take care. Good luck to you, your husband and your two children. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeed. Uh, another texter that the incident in Fitzgerald's Park was a case of self-defense. He was just swimming and was approached and attacked by a larger group. He now can't leave his house due to fear of retaliation. Now, uh, I don't know anything about that, apart from other texts coming in saying similar things that this lad 
have been subjected to quite an amount of abuse and physical attack in the past, but nobody condone at the same time anybody carrying a knife around with them, even if for self-defence. But what are we going to do? Uh, we were asking the question yesterday on the air, and people had opinions on it as to whether, you know, until the age of 18 anyway, it's the parents' responsibility and we should be getting tough on the parents. Um, Texas says, yes, they are responsible. And these young people should be sent to a summer camp. Get the army to toughen them up. They're spoiled rotten. Their mobile phones and their money. Not all of them are bad, but there is some serious crime being done out there. Poor victims and their families are scared, scarred for life because of it. There are a few sad cases which I often think about. I say to myself how children could do such horrible things, but that's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I know that there's always a, a backstory to it. Uh, you can't get a good clatter anymore. No wonder antisocial behaviour is through the roof. Bring back the days of the good clatter. Uh, parents are responsible for their children 24-7. If the parents remembered these brats are children and raised them as children, we wouldn't be where we are today with these thugs ruling the communities. It comes down to whether your teenage son or daughter can walk away from trouble or not. Troublemakers can come from well-respected families too. I think it's what's taught at home that has a lot to do with it. Just one or two more. In all fairness, some parents can't control their teens. They just can't. So this is ridiculous. There are some parents out there crying out for help for their teens and they don't know where to turn. Uh, Another one here. There's a huge gap in the law when it comes to teenagers. We're having awful issues in the estate I live in and the guards basically told us that they're just kids. We can't do anything. Streetlights are smashed. Drinking. uh, Beans thrown at houses. Imagine that. Eggs. Screaming and roaring at all hours. Entering the underground car park and stealing wheelie bins, smashing pipes off the walls, setting fire to trees. The list goes on. It stopped now for the moment, but it was horrific. Untouchable. There needs to be punishment for teenagers because they know their parents, they know and their parents know that they're underage and are untouchable. Morning. Anyone carrying a knife is carrying it to use it. There should be a minimum of five years of convicted, regardless of their age. Uh, And this one, parents should know where their kids are the majority of the time until they're 18. Guardies should be allowed to put manners on some of them if they're acting the pup on the streets regarding antisocial behaviour. A belt of a baton wouldn't go astray. So thank you for those. Keep them coming. Text 0868 104-106. Uh, back, back to the phone lines ago. I know we'd been talking about this uh, online actually recently uh, because it was saying that Michal Martin's under a bit of pressure now within Fianna Fáil as to whether he'll be the leader of Fianna Fáil come the end of the summer. Um, certainly issues regarding the backbenchers are unhappy with him. And yesterday, Fianna Gael, uh, we were talking about the fact that Fianna Gael had lost uh, Middle Ireland, as in those people who get up early in the morning and go out to work. We are posing the question as to whether or not uh, Hall will or should resign as party leader because some TDs have asked him to do so. Uh, and some of the TDs within Fianna Fáil are saying that they um, won't vote for the handover of the Taoiseach position to Leo Varadkar at the end of the year if Hall Martin is still leading their own party. I mean, it's incredible stuff. Uh, PJ is standing by. First up, Antoinette, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Is he going to go or is he going to be pushed or what? Well, I'd say he'd have to be pushed. And that's being honest. So that would be a vote within Fianna Fáil of TDs? Yes, 100%. Right. Um, Like, my opinion on it, um, I think, and it's not only him, it's the whole party. Um, They've let the the Irish people down. Yeah, but what what political party has never done? They all do that. Yeah, but it's the same two parties all the time. 
it's either Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael. Yeah, so... If it's not one, it's the other. Both, you know what I mean? They, they to be honest with you, in, as I said, my opinion, they're in it for themselves. They don't care about the Irish people. They, they don't, don't care, care about the state of the health service, the housing crisis, no. rental prices, cost of living, childcare crashes, back to school no, payments. They don't. No, like how many pay rises have they have they gotten? They get every the single pay years. rise that everybody in the civil servant gets every year. Yeah, but they see they we elected those people to represent us. They're not representing us. But a change, but a change of Fianna Fáil leader won't make a blind bit of difference in those regards. No, you know what I mean. He, they realise then. Okay, we're going to have to up, up our game because there's an election. What two years time? Yeah. And yeah. if we don't pull up our socks, basically, we're gone. Like my daughter, Katie, we we took part in, in the the first protest. She's fifteen. The, are you talking about the? Was that at City Hall or what? No, the one in City Hall. Well, that was another one. Um, but we did one in Grand Parade. Okay. She sat. She was fifteen years of age, and she sat and she read out her own speech that she wrote. And in that speech, she actually said that and I can't remember now because my mind is completely blank. No, just tell me. <laughs> give me the gist of it. Um, basically. Um, they're not doing their job and if they were in any other job they'd be fired. I mean that's coming from a 15 year old. She can see what's happening in this country. Yeah, yeah. She's an up and coming like I know she's only 15 now but three years time she's eligible to vote. And who will she vote? So, Sinn Féin probably? I don't know. Yeah. That's her, that's her choice. Like I'm not going to influence her into who And you wanted to pick up on how we accept these little token gestures of 200 euro off an electricity electricity bill and a couple of hundred euro in a budget as if to keep us happy like. But that's that's what that's all it is. Oh, we we just give it to them and then they shut up and leave us alone. You know what I mean? People are they're literally at the end of their rope now. They they can't afford all these pay hikes. You go to your shopping now and like, my shopping alone has gone up by about 90 euro. Because there's six of us here, and they're all adults. And how often would you do a big adults. shop? Every week. Oh, for God. 90 a week? Yeah. Really? Because, yeah, price of meat, vegetables, everything has gone up in price. And does that include cutting back on luxuries and everything, and it's still up yeah, 90 euro? I don't buy crap anymore, because I can't afford it. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? I, I buy you. Minimum amount, just like crisps and stuff for the kids that they're there. But they get proper square meals every day. And have you changed the, the, the brands from the more expensive brands? I have, yeah. You, so oh, you've I done everything possible. Yeah. No, I used to shop in Dunn's all the time. I can't afford shopping Dunn's anymore. So where I do you go? I now shop and I need Aldi or Lidl. Right. All dependent. Because I can't yeah. afford it. Yeah. Like I went one of the days last week to get mince. I was doing a lasagna and obviously got the six of us I have to get a lot of mince <laughs> to make a lasagna. Yeah. What I used to pay for three pounds, I don't do kilos, I still do pounds, of mince used to cost me 13 euro. It cost me nearly 19 euro the other day. Oh, for God's sake. For the, for same, the same quality mince. grade beef and everything. Exactly, yeah. For the same mince. So, like, how, how are they expecting people? Like, here, we give you 200 euro. But that 200 euro, you're going to end up spending... <laughs> 
on shopping and you're going to, you know what I mean, your bills are still going to go higher because the electricity companies, the gas companies, they they put their, their prices skyrocket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they're, they're not thinking like people, they look at somebody's wages, right? You say you come out with 550 euros. They're not looking that people have to pay a mortgage over there. They may have a car that they have to pay for. Yeah, you heard the story. You heard the story a few minutes ago of the mother who uh, to gave up work completely. Louise gave up her career to mind her two children on the autism well, I spectrum. Well, the same because um, like, she my get, has. When well, you heard the story, she was getting a carer's allowance. Then her husband got um, a wage increase, a promotion, yeah. uh, got means tested, and she lost all of her grants and well, lost her carer's yeah. allowance. Yeah. Well, like you're, you're of, exactly like they were saying, is, you're of no real value to us in society. Instead, no, we're not. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, like carers as I've always said, are at the complete bottom of the ladder, being stood on. And because Katie, Katie, your daughter, you referred to her during the speech on the Grand Parade, um, she's, got a, she's got a Twitter page called Katie's Fight to Keep Walking, right? Yeah, okay. she does. Yeah. So you're Katie's carer? I'm Katie's carer and Katie's mum. Yeah. Um, she's, at the moment, Katie has cerebral palsy. Um, we were out to America a couple of years ago for SDR surgery, which was a huge success. Katie went from a wheelchair to walking. Um, she now has a dislocated hip that's been dislocated for the past 13 years. You're joking me. Which it, it's deteriorating all the time. It's now over 40% dislocated. Why is, why, why is that? Why is that? Please tell me, because I hear of a dislocated hip that can be just put back in place. Why, why isn't yep. that happening? She's too weak. Too That's weak. the excuse we're getting. Um, the excuses we were getting before that was um, when, she, when, she, when she was 10, 11, 12. Um, we wait, she's like her, her period starts because she, then she'll stop growing and we'll know how it is then it's like no she's too weak now she's been referred on to an adult doctor at 15 so you've really had to raise your own money to look after I had to raise the money to, to bring Katie to America yeah I'm now looking at bringing her back to America again for hip surgery because oh. they won't do anything here for her oh my god what kind of cost what kind of money did you have I to have raise? no idea yet I've, I've just sent off the information um, so how much have you pay. raised? How much have you raised already? Um, well, we, it was two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen. We had to raise sixty thousand. Good to God. bring her to America. No, that's well done because Good that God. paid for her surgery and everything else. And I have to do another one of those rounds of fundraising. And now I have right? to literally make a bedroom myself again to plead with people. Now, obviously, I'm not doing anything until I see if the doctors in the Paley Institute in Florida will actually do something for her. So you see, you, you see me hall then, there was a lot of criticism at the time when he walked past many of the parents in City he, Hall. He literally ignored the children. The kids were standing there and he walked straight through the crowd and as I said, to go in and get another pat on the back that he doesn't deserve. And Why the would paper- you walk past children that are sitting in wheelchairs like Katie was standing with our crutches? I have Katie... As I said, she's cerebral palsy. My other daughter, Abby, um, she went for a normal eye test and they saw something on her eye. And she was. we went for a, a private MRI to 
to see what it was because obviously there was a waiting list. Yeah, wasn't surprising um, me. I see the it in the papers this morning. The doctor tell yeah. me that she has mild hydrocephalus behind her eye and she sent off an urgent referral for her. That was... Hang on, tell me what I'm afraid. That was the 16th of June. I'm still waiting for it to be seen. Yeah, 16th of June just gone. Yeah. Well, in, in, in Irish terms, that's no time at all, you know, when we're yeah, here. Yeah, that's urgent. Yeah. Oh, sure, listen, I know. I'm, I'm not disputing that. No, I'm not, nor am I disputing the waiting list for the likes of um, the children who are four years waiting autism assessment, you know, yeah. and, and that, that's like another issue. We're in that, well, I'm not in that boat. No, I know. My daughter's in that boat as yeah, well. Well, um, some are physical. Katie's cerebral palsy, I accept that. You're, you're, you're a powerful woman, though, in fairness to you. You really are. I have no choice. I'm not to be honest. Because if I don't stand up for my kids, who will? So, so Cork has many things to be proud of, you said in your correspondence oh, to me. But, and, like, I can, I'm, but Michal like, Martin isn't one of them. No, definitely not. Okay. okay. He's, he's out for, like, for himself. Yeah, I mean, there you go. I was just reading there just before you rang me. He's gone to Japan for four days. Yeah. This country's falling apart. Why is he flying to Japan for four days? Yeah. He should be here. You know what I mean? They're going on the holidays. Why are they going on holidays? The country is falling apart. They don't deserve to have holidays. They need to be in the doll, trying to sort this out. But for all the good they do in the doll, you know what I mean? All the good they do. Well, you know what I mean? That, that's another day story, I think. Let, 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 me, um, <laughs> let me bring PJ in on this, if you don't mind. Do stay in touch, Antoinette. It's a pleasure talking to you. I know that there, you. I know it's not easy for you. Thank you so much. PJ, Thank good morning. You. Good morning, Neil. Somebody says here we have three top ministers for Cork, Martin, McGrath and Coveney, and I can't think of one good thing that any of them has ever done for Cork. Have a look at the Healy Rays and what they get done, done and carry over the years. When you think that they're the independents, it says a lot. We need more independence in the door. Anyway, your thoughts? Well, to be able to need the statement Michael Martin came out with yesterday was he's totally disillusioned, saying that the people of Ireland don't need, um, don't need an election. He's obviously not speaking to the people that we speak to. I'm a member of Sinn Féin. I do a bit of work with Daniel Toomey and Pat Buckley, um, canvassing and that. We were in um, Mitchellstown and Middleton the last couple of weeks canvassing. And the amount of anger that we meet when we're at the door aimed towards Michal Martin, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and, and, and Greens is unbelievable. Okay, so you tell me what they're saying at the door. They're being unfairly treated. Um, the, the the two ladies just spoke to there. There was one woman we were speaking to. She was saying her daughter is living with her for the past five years. She has three children. They're living in two rooms upstairs. Um, she's applied for a house on top of a house on top of a house. Um, Pat Buckley is pushing the issue um, for housing with for her. She hasn't seen sight of... Uh, government minister. Yeah, and in, in just in that individual case there that you mentioned, had they lost their home? Were they renting? Did the landlord sell? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think they had. I think they had their own place and they got evicted. Right. They were yeah. told to leave through whatever. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't that, that happens all too that. often. Yeah, and you're. I'm always, oh, I'm always worried that the that the landlords aren't being genuine with regards to the eviction reason. You know. No, it's, it's, look, anyway, she's living herself. upstairs with three kids in two rooms. I know. Yeah. What else are they saying? Yeah. Um, 
it's just total disillusionment the way the cost of living, the cost of living crisis is going. The health care is is another one. And as the two ladies you were speaking to there earlier on said just about everything that Mead's saying about that. Michael Martin has lost the, the, the vote from the people of Cork. He's lost the vote of the people of Ireland. His own party's calling for his head. That's the problem, How you see. When your own TDs are calling for your head, you're, 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 time's ticking then, isn't it? Well, t- of course it is, yeah. Time, time is ticking. But, but why aren't Fianna Gael doing the same about Faradkar? Or why aren't the Greens doing the same about Eamon Ryan? Look, so they can't be happy. For one minute, don't think for one minute that when Leo Faradkar takes over, if he takes over in December, don't think for one minute that anything is going to change. Because I'm telling you now, Leo's got so much bravado and he's so full of his own ego. It seems as if he has contempt for a lot of the working people. He's done nothing to help us out, even since 2011, wasn't it, he went in. The, place was, the country was in a shambles when the next election came up. Yeah, well, I don't you know. know. And it, it, it's just same old, same old politics every time. And there's a lot of people that, that, that we meet on the doorstep. Oh, I'm bloody voting for Sinn Féin. I'm not here to vote for Sinn Féin. I don't have to. The people on the doorsteps are Are, are, are they all that. saying that, are they? The, the both of them, I have never, I haven't met one person that has actually has said to me, oh no, no, I, I don't want to talk to Sinn Féin. I want, you know, I adore Michal Martin. I adore Leo Bradker. I adore... So you've Sam never Ryan met anybody on the door who said, who said anything critical at all about Sinn Féin? I, well, yes, you would meet people that are critical of Sinn Féin. Of course, both. suspicious of them, worried about their policies, thinking that they make it up on the about them Because they haven't had Sinn Féin haven't had a term in government, and Irish people don't like changes. You know, I mean, look at our political system since since we became a state. It's been Fine Gael, Fine Fáil, Fine Gael, Fine Fáil, and now out of a desperate grab for power, they went into a coalition, and that was. Uh, that was a match made in hell, that was. There's there nothing positive yeah, okay. that's come out. Yeah, yeah. As you said, we have three three ministers down here. They have done nothing. We actually have a sitting minister here in, in Yowell, actually. He's done nothing for yeah. nothing for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, look, I... You say the he's the worst and the weakest Taoiseach in Ireland's history. Oh, must be, yeah. Oh, he, he has to be. No, I'm not bashing yet, Lee yet, the man. Yet he was the Taoiseach of the country when... And I know that people are very divided on this when he steered us through COVID. Did he not do a good job at that? Did he not keep the lights on? Did he not keep businesses open? I know the taxpayer would have to pay the pop and pay the EWSS grants that were given to businesses. But he kept businesses surviving. Yeah, but anybody in power would have would have had to do that. Well, other countries did likewise. I know that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, but so anybody. So, I mean, that, that was a given. The people that voted, actually, the people didn't vote him in. He was seventh. He bought in in the sixth count, was it sixth, seventh that, count? Yeah, like that. That's, that is so true. So people didn't yeah. actually vote for him. People were looking, you know, people voted. People chose their party. They voted, you know, in favour of who they wanted. And it was, it, it was like still, it, it, it was still grabbed, you know. And like I said, don't think for a minute when Leo Varadkar takes over, it's going to be any different because you're just going to have the same thing over and over again. Okay, all right, okay, you know? okay. So these people that Michal Martin is speaking to, I don't see them. I don't know where they are. Look, 
He comes, Michal comes, now I'm not bashing Michal Martin, the man. I'd never judge any man until I've walked in his shoes. And I've spoken to Michal Martin on two occasions, and he's a gentleman. I'm speaking about Michal Martin, the politician. No, you talk about uh, his ego and his contempt. That's personal. Yeah, well, that's Leo Varadkar's. Oh, Varadkar's ego. That, uh, oh, ego. Oh, but you will have, ba- you will bash Varadkar personally then. You call, you talk about his bravado, well, no, ego, contempt. Uh, he, I don't know, he, he, he comes across as, every time there's a post uh, on Facebook or whatever, you know, he's doing something and he's sitting there in grandeur. He put up one photograph, which he's entitled to do with him and his partner. Good luck to them. They were out having a date night. Good luck to them as well. But they were sitting there and there was this silver stuff in front of them and it was all la dee and it was very nice. So I put up a picture of that mother and child eating their dinner outside the GPO, sitting on a crate, eating off a white paper plate. Right. You know, I said, try eating your dinner outside the GPO. And Don't be putting up bloody da photographs when people are eating dinners Don't provided for them. Don't be putting up when the people are suffering. All right, okay. And even with the, with the cost of living crisis. Yeah. Even with that, I mean, those measures can be taken there, short-term measures. You know, I understand there's global warming the problem. I can understand that. You know? You see the forest fires everywhere and stuff like that. But short you, Are you okay with the one billion euro we've spent so far bringing people from war-torn Ukraine, for instance? Like, there's a texter here saying he agreed to bring in the Ukrainians when there was no housing available and totally forgot about the Irish without homes. Yes, but you see, this is where one or two people were coming from as well. But you see, uh, Neil, for as long as that's going on, for as long as you have people saying, oh, there's uh, the Ukrainians coming in getting this and getting that, and we're getting nothing. People are not looking at what's going on in Dáil Éireann. They're looking at each other. And it's taken a classic deflection job to take the, the okay. take the view of what's going on, what's going on in Dáil Éireann. Okay. The best possible scenario that the Irish people get at the present moment is Michal Martin refuses to stand down. Leo, the, the, his backbenchers don't vote for Leo Varadkar as the next uh, Taoiseach. Taoiseach. And the government falls. I'm not saying Sinn Féin have a magic wand. There is no magic wand. And the government falls and we have a general election and then, if things go according to what the polls are suggesting, we have a Sinn Féin government and all that that will bring. Yeah. One one thing for sure, it can't bring any worse than, than what it is. Well, let's wait and see. Yeah. Thanks, PJ. Appreciate it. Text in WhatsApp 86 8104 106 Cork's Red FM. Okay, so uh, one of the issues that we touched on there was uh, accommodation and hotels in particular and the uh, Ukrainian refugee crisis that we have at the moment. I was telling you earlier on this morning that uh, close on 43,000 people have fled Ukraine to Ireland since the start of the Russian invasion. An awful lot of them are staying in hotels and that's why there's a shortage of hotels for tourism. And in fact, the Irish Tourism Industry Confederation has admitted to that, saying that uh, Ukrainian refugees in Ireland have exacerbated the shortage of affordable tourism hotel rooms in Ireland. Uh, Those that are left, I suppose, are... uh, I don't know know how they can justify it, but those that are left that don't have refugees staying them 
in them are a huge price. So much so that many, many rooms, like hundreds of rooms in, stu- you know, the student accommodation blocks and units and big buildings that you have in, in Cork and indeed in Limerick and places like that. An awful lot of those rooms are being used currently now to accommodate Ukrainian refugees as well. Um, and more are coming all of the time, including to UCC properties. Uh, but what will happen, like there's one, like one particular one says that there's 90 Ukrainians staying in the UCC campus accommodation and will have to leave on the 26th of August because the students will be coming back. So, so what happens then, for instance? Where then will they go? Will they be up in County Meath and Army Barracks themselves on, uh, on cots in tents? Uh, but it's just, it's interesting because these numbers will just continue to rise. And I was reading yesterday that, um, particularly down in Yall, uh, Podrick Kennedy, who I've spoken to on the air in the past, has Clancy's Bar in Yall. And he was saying that the amount of Ukrainian refugees staying in hotels in Yall is killing the tourism industry that they rely on as the seaside town. I don't know how much the hotels are getting per room. I mean, I remember recently people telling us that the hotels were getting 200 euro a night. But then when I was talking to the Grand Hotel, I think it was the Grand Hotel, they all said that that was nonsense, that they were getting less than 100 per adult and less again per child. But if it's that still makes sense because that's 200 a night for a couple Right. So and that would be every single night, seven nights a week. But but less of me and more of Podrick, who is Clancy's bar in, in, in York. Podrick, good morning. Good morning. Neil. How are, are, you? are there rooms to be to be had there for tourists at all? No, no. no. Um, I think in York right now, our average bed night is 58 beds um, for a seaside tourist town. OK. Out, is, out of out of how many, I wonder, would be multiples of that, would there? Yeah, multiples of that, yeah. So the only hotel that we're operating right now is the Walter Raleigh Hotel and Airbnb and um, and B&B. Um, and basically that's what we have to offer in Yall. Um, obviously at the height of the season, which we're in right now, Yall is very busy with day trippers coming down for the day. But we, what we're seeing is, you know, the exodus heading home at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the afternoon either heading back to the city by car, by bus, or back to Dungarvan or wherever they're going. Um, so you're not seeing that evening business. And has that wiped out the spend then, the tourist spend? It has, yeah, very much so. You can see it. I mean, besides inflation, um, yeah, it, it, it has. And the hospitality sees that in your, um, you know, the Monday to Friday, before the weekend breaks, before everybody comes down to spend the weekend in your, as a day tripper, um, you know, pre the hotel crisis, um, you know, we would normally have a lot of people staying in your Monday through Friday, yeah. families coming down, yeah. enjoying the beach, enjoying hospitality and so on. So, so the hospitality then would lead into the evening when people would have dinner out or meals out or go for a few pints. And of course, day trippers can't really do that because a lot of them are driving. Um, yes, very, very much so. And you see it, you see it um, on our weeknights. You know, Fridays, Fridays are, is a little stronger than, than our winter season. Saturdays is busy because we're having a lot of the locals come out. But Sunday... At six six thirty in the afternoon, everybody's gone. You know they're gone because they can't stay locally. Yeah, and you couldn't grasp why the government would think it would be a good idea to take all of the hotel rooms out of service. Well, I mean, listen, I, I see these these uh, poor Ukrainian women walking out the beach every night, and you know we know they don't want to be in Yall. They want to be back in the Ukraine with their family, having dinner or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, we understand that they don't want to be here, and, and you know, Ireland as a whole and Yall has welcomed all these people. But, you know, hotels is not the answer. Um, 
the, the you know filling the hotels of Ireland is not the answer, especially in the big picture in the long term, in the next year, two years, three years time. Yeah, because you know? this probably this isn't anything that's in any way exclusive to East Cork or to y'all. It would be happening all over the country, wouldn't it? Not just in coastal areas, but inland as well. Because of panic, really, you know, 43,000 have arrived, there are more to come, and they have struggled since the off to find appropriate accommodation. Well, I mean, that's the point, you know. I mean, they've ran to the hotels. You, you can't blame, you know, there's a lot of anger, just not in Yale, but around the country, of, of hoteliers giving up the hotel. But, you know, the government to dangle a carrot and guarantee them 100% occupancy for God knows how long, any hotelier would take this. And, and you, you know, you can't blame the hotelier for doing that, especially after a two-year pandemic. But can you not blame them then for having a portion of room set aside for tourists that they scalp the price? No, you're still there. I may have lost Padre. You're still there? No, I'll pick a conversation up with him as soon as I get him back on the phone, and that could well be uh, after 11. So do text on that. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And just, I'll come back to it after 11, but just one or two more texts then with regards uh, uh, Michal Martin and his future as leader of uh, the Fianna Fáil party. The man is totally delusional at this stage. Uh, like Alice in Wonderland, he believes things mean what he wants them to mean. He's not alone bringing ruin to Fianna Fáil. He's also destroying the country, our country, our beloved Ireland. He must go now and take the rest of them, take the rest with him. Never think I'd be hearing something like that about uh, a Taoiseach from Cork. Uh, some would say, yeah, from Cork, but not for Cork. Step down. People should be doing their best to have him locked up for treason against his own people. I firmly don't believe he's Irish. He couldn't be. No one could sell their own people to globalists as much as he actually has. Uh, I think they should all be booted out, put someone in that actually cares about the people. And uh, who would that be? Sinn Féin, I suppose you'd be suggesting. Uh, he agreed to bring Ukrainians in when there was no housing available. Totally forgot about all of the Irish. We're not the Republic of Ireland anymore. We're just controlled by the EU. Our governments have sold out every right of the citizens in this country. Uh, absolutely. Uh, take, take, take. And the two other clowns need to go with them ASAP. And one more for now. Could be the excuse he wants. Maybe a possible EU job offered to him for being a good little lapdog by dumping his own country and his people. Um, people's needs and looking after others arriving here with houses and whatever, whatever, they else, whatever else they may demand from him. That's just a selection of texts. There's lots more there. We've got more calls after 11. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show So still some more beach trips to come and just ahead of that uh, Kira says while it's great to see people out enjoying our beaches it would be great if people could remember to leave no trace She was obviously listening to the programme earlier on this morning I was sitting next to a group of people in their 20s on Inch Beach yesterday One group of them moved to join another group of them and laughed about how they left all their rubbish behind them at another spot on the beach, saying it was someone else's job to clean it up. Another girl who was part of the group was openly leaving her rubbish behind as well when one of the others called her out on it. It wouldn't leave you with much hope when people in their 20s think littering is a joking matter. I had my child with me and wouldn't dream of littering. Parents would do well to have a word with their adult children. Well, you'd think that the... You know, those in their 20s would get it because they go on so much about global warming and climate change and stuff like that. 
but yet, I suppose you can't tar them all with the same brush. But thank you for that text. Text 0868104106. Um, with regards to the state of the country, uh, no, I don't think there's any problem with Micheál Martin as leader of Fianna Fáil or Taoiseach. He's been a good leader for both party and country. It's Ireland's loss if he can't continue as Taoiseach. Another one, I'm confused between the Dáil and Fawcett's circus, struggling to tell the difference. A lot of people were unemployed due to COVID-19, and now inflation is making matters worse, yet people are still being heavily taxed on top of that. So how on earth are people supposed to make ends meet? Well, that's just it. A lot of them aren't. And one more for now, Michal Martin should stay on as Taoiseach, as he is much better at it than Leo Varadkar ever was. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. The line dropped me there, chatting with uh, Padraig Hennessy from Clancy's Bar in Yaw, but I've got him again. Padraig, sorry, I lost you there midstream. Are you with me again? Yes, Neil, how are you? Uh, do, you do you think that because of this um, lack of footfall or tourists actually staying in tourist towns like y'all, that businesses will close or suffer? I do. I think there's going to be casualties in the wintertime. Um, I mean, especially y'all, y'all is a tourist town. We don't have any industry in y'all. Um, the biggest employer in y'all is the hospitality business from, you know, the bars, restaurants to cafes on the main street. Um, and we employ more than anybody else in y'all, and that's what we have. So we, you know, we need to, we depend on tourism. Um, and I, I do think, you know, with with uh, you know, no, I don't mean no tourists coming, but people who can't stay with us for four to five days yeah. with their families is going to have a massive impact come winter season. You know. Yeah. 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 And I you- mean, we 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 do have you know the, the three carbon parks in y'all. Um, a lot of them come down from the city. And they're, they're a massive economic benefit for you all. Every year when they come out with their families, they spend locally from supermarkets to petrol stations to restaurants to bars and so on and so forth. And, you know, when they go back for their winter season, then we don't have anything, you know. So I really don't know what's going to come down our way, you know. Make it in the summer to survive in the winter, if you like. Yeah, but I mean, that's not, that's not a way to run a business. You know, I mean... It's it's that's normally how you run a seaside uh, business, but after a two-year close down, you know, Yall is such a, a fantastic town. I mean, we've got blue flag beaches to what uh, Ned Brennan, our, our local uh, Teddy Towns um, <clears throat> leader, has done to the town. What the council have invested in the town, you know, we have Ironman next month. <clears throat> excuse me, which is a major major benefit for Yall um, as a showcase and economically, it's massive for the town. But, I mean, they've been affected from the, the no accommodation in y'all. And these people, you know, the athletes, they remind the family. So how will Iron Man cope then if the hotels are full with refugees? Well, it, I imagine bed and breakfasts and Airbnbs are all, are, are, are they taken up as well, housing refugees? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I just think it's the local hotels. Okay. Um, I mean, the, the, the athletes and families are coming for the Iron Man are staying anywhere from Mallow, Mitchellstown, from Hawaii, um, Dungarvan even out into Waterford, Carrick and Shore, and going back uh, west, back towards Cork, Cork City, Bandon. I mean, it's, it's you know, like these are these are professional athletes that have to travel to you all, you know, on the day of the event. Uh, the previous day we have the half Ironman, which is going to be another yeah. massive uh, economic benefit for you all. And, you know, it's just, the town looks so well. It's, it's, you know, people who have come throughout the pandemic have just been amazed what we, we have to offer in you all. 
And it's kind of a letdown when we don't have accommodation. Can I just ask you on another topic? How is the tourist industry and hospitality doing with regards to recruiting staff? Huge problems there, both in kitchens and front of house, yeah? Yeah, across the board, Neil. I mean, we have a major, I mean, chances we don't open Monday, uh, uh, Monday, Tuesday, because we don't have the staff. And even yesterday, I met some people on the beach, and they're annoyed with me for not, not opening, but we don't have the staff. Yeah, um, and, and, and the same across West Cork, and indeed many, many restaurants and establishments in Cork City don't open on a Monday anymore as well. I'm wondering, is that because footfall is lower on a Monday, or they can't get staff? No, I think it's a major staff issue. I mean, we, in, in your, and speaking for your, um, every restaurant is, seems to be closing for t- two days a week because you don't have staff. Um, normally, we, we would, right now we have 28 staff, and normally in season we will run at 37, 30, 38 staff. And we just don't have them. We can't get them. Um, and that's why we're closed. And, and that doesn't help either. I mean, that two to three months of the summer where if we were trading seven days... Um, would get us through the winter why, even better. Well, why can't you get staff? It might sound like a stupid question, but why is it different now to say four or five years ago or three years ago? Well, I mean, this is the engine of any any restaurant is the kitchen. Um, you know, the kitchen basically runs the restaurant, and and if you can't get chefs, uh, you can't get sous chefs, prep chefs that are trained. Um, it's it's you just can't do it. Okay, and, and, and again, yeah. why why is that different to three years ago? Well, they're just not there. They've either, after the pandemic, have got out of the business and, and changed over to a different style, you know, different way of living or different um, different job opportunities, and they're just not there. And I think you can see that in any news reports that they're just not available, you know. They took another career path, yeah? Yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of guys in hospitality... Uh, went and worked in the supermarkets, um, yeah. you know, Aldi, Lidl, uh, Tesco and stuff like that. So why I would mean, you put so much time into training and upskilling and learning your craft to be a chef or wanting to work in a, you know, an environment like that, which I'm told is reasonably well to well paid? Why would you give it up? Well, I mean, if you ever worked in the trade and worked in the kitchen, <clears throat> it's, it's extremely hard extremely long hours, very unsociable. We work all the opposite to everybody else. So we work weekends, we work holidays, we work Christmas, uh, we work birthdays. You know, average chef works 10, 11 hours a day, which is extremely difficult. And I think with the pandemic and, and everybody, <clears throat> excuse me, with the business is closed, they realized, you know, we don't want to do this anymore. We don't want to do this, a better way of yeah. living my life. Yeah, And there is. And, it's, and listen, it's, it's, it's extremely hard. And, and, I, and I get it. I've been doing it for 30 plus years and it, it, it is hard you know so that's the that's the problem that's the problem yeah so that's not going to change anytime soon either though is it no I don't think so not in the near future anyway the next couple of years um, yeah, I do have one uh, one of my young guys who was trying to get into CIT to train and he's even finding that hard to get to, he wants to be a chef um, and we're, we're trying to get him in right now starting September and it's great to see uh, I'm even, you know, happy that that he is thinking that way, you know, because yeah. it is so hard. Okay, covered a lot of ground. Um, uh, thanks for taking the call. I'll let you get back to it. Uh, have a Thank good week, Podrick, as always. That's Podrick Hennessy from Clancy's Bar in Yall. Covered a lot of ground there, not just uh, uh, hotel rooms, but also lack of staff. Your thoughts on that? Text 0868104106. Okay, hold those calls. I'll come back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104106. Red FM. 
Indeed, you guys are fast off the mark. Uh, Texter here says, with regards to restaurateurs and those in the business and the trade, if they treated their chefs properly all along, they might have, have they might not have this big problem now. Now it's coming back to bite hotels and restaurants in the backside. Uh, lesson learned, says a texter to 0868104106. There's also a lot more talk these days, reading at the weekend, um, of those in the know, apparently, and certainly European politicians, some of them, some of them actually were prime ministers, saying that sanctions against Russia are not working. Why do I mention that? Well, if the sanctions aren't working, they're saying that the only people we're hurting are ourselves. Now, Russia invaded Ukraine, I understand that. But as a consequence of that, you had many, many, many hundreds of thousands, million uh, Ukrainians uh, leaving their own country, millions of them and going to other European nations, including uh, Ireland, and that then causing all sorts of problems for the host countries. And this is not meant to be in any way critical of a Ukrainian refugee. But you see where we're at now. It's cost us a billion. Uh, they're in Gormanstown Army Camp and they're living in tents and all of the hotel rooms are all uh, clogged up and what have you. And it's had an awful impact. At the same time, we hear of carer's allowance being taken away from uh, mothers on the air this morning. We hear of children with four to five year waiting lists for autism assessments and what have you. And the cost of living all gone through the roof. So the cost of living issue probably could be um, pointed in the direction of Russia and the invasion in, in Ukraine notwithstanding that there is a bit of greed. I still can't understand why uh, in areas of South Kerry and North Cork and across the borders with Cork and Kerry, I can get diesel and petrol for two euro two and I come back into the city. And I do see some of them in and around the two six, two seven. But by and large, we're still up around the 210 and 212. Why in the name of God is it not the same everywhere? I just don't get any of that. But anyway, I digress. Back to the phone lines we go. Uh, pick up the phone on 0818104106. Dennis, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Okay, so you were another one of the families that went through the process to um, uh, connect with the Red Cross to be able to home a refugee, is that right? That's correct. As I understand the figures, there are some 30,000 people who have pledged accommodation. And I'm one Just of move around who, a tiny bit, Dennis, if you don't mind. It's a little bit muffled. I'm one, of those, <clears throat> I'm one of those who um, has pledged accommodation, but there's 30,000 that um, have pledged accommodation. And I've pledged it back in March. And uh, so far, I have not received any offers from the Red Cross to uh, accommodate anybody. And would there be 30,000 families who have... All yeah. Of, yeah, go gone ahead. through all of the processes, including vetting, guard vetting and everything, but still nothing. So I assume I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on my own. And if there's 30,000 people out there and we have 40,000 uh, refugees in the country, then that's that's a big chunk, you know. And that's it three, just, and three, that's yeah, three quarters of the people. Three, three you know, quarters, they don't yeah. need these army camps. And I wonder, is it that the vetting was too complicated or that they just no. lost the will to continue with it no. or just no. was administratively no, it a nightmare? It has, nothing, it has nothing to do with vetting. It has nothing to do with vetting. There is something, there is something wrong. There's either, there's either a policy not to have... Um, these units taken up, government policy, and or it's incompetence on part of the organisers, either either the Department of Children or the Department of Housing or the Red Cross. So it's either a policy or it's incompetence. And tell what me, what was the vetting process? What, what, how does that happen? How does that work? Well, you go online and they ask you questions. The Red Cross are on Zoom. Uh, they ask you questions, they show them your um, documentation, 
you know, passport, driver's license, whatever. Um, and then they, you send off a, um, a form to them. They send it to the Garda mm-hmm. and the Gardaí um, approve uh, or not, as the case might be. I said. And did that happen in your case? Did they come back and say, yeah, we've checked with the Garda Shikana, we're, yes, we're good to go? They have. Yes, yeah, they have. And you have a sizable home, which used to be a B&B, so it's yes, well fitted correct. out to take in yes. guests. Yes. Yes, that is true. But, and, you know, the thing is, it's no point. What you're saying is true. But there's no point talking about me. This obviously... No, I'm giving you as a typical example of a, of a, a property. No, I know that. But in your case, your property would be ideal. Ideal. But yet Absolutely. you went through all of the process, the vetting and all of that, all the documentation, the Zoom call, and have heard nothing. And this is the, back, the, the heading into the back end of July. Yes. Huh. Exactly. So something is wrong with that process. And um, the last I heard, and I mean it's going back, say maybe four or five weeks, that out of the 30,000 people who uh, pledged accommodation, that they had actually accommodated something like maybe 600. Ah, oh, for God's sake. Where did you get that figure? That's, a, that's embarrassing. That was a figure released by the Red Cross themselves. 600 out of 30,000 offers. Yes, yes. That's so going the, back, say, four weeks, but that's the figures. If the 30,000 households and families in Ireland had been taken up in their offer, we wouldn't have uh, 40-odd thousand refugees scrambling for hotel rooms and tents exactly. and an army barracks. Exactly. That's depressing. Now, maybe 30,000, all of them won't be suitable, but let's say 20,000 is suitable or 25,000 is suitable. Yeah, I don't get it, man. I just don't get it. Okay, I don't get it. And, you know, obviously, obviously, somebody in the government or or the Red Cross or somewhere needs to start answering questions directly to say why is why are why are they not taking up this accommodation? Okay, just before I let you go, uh, I just got handed the Irish Red Cross defence with regards to the length of time it's taking to house Ukrainian refugees with Irish families. Uh, it comes at a time when women, children, and elderly people arriving from Ukraine, and by and large, they are w- women and elderly people and children, forced to sleep on Dublin airport floors and obviously army barracks and what have you. Um, City West can hold 2,300 people, as we know. Uh, The Irish Red Cross chairman said officials are housing people as quickly as possible. Along the way, there is guard vetting, there is vetting of the physical suitability of the properties and in a high number of cases, pledges that were offered in the early stages were withdrawn. He says it's complicated, it's slow, but this is not simply finding some place that you can put a family into. Placing a family with another family is complicated. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. There's quite a bit of experience at this stage. We have eight case workers working with families right across eight. My God, right across the country to help them settle. Uh, but of course, we would like to see things moving faster. That's the Red Cross response. What do you say to that? Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, I'll go back to what I said. This is either a government policy not to house people with families, with Irish families, Ukrainians, not to house Ukrainians with Irish families, or it's incompetence. Okay. And if it's incompetence, we need to replace whoever is in charge. Okay, thank you for that. Appreciate it, Dennis. Thanks for taking the call. And if, uh, and if it's government policy, we need to replace the government. 
You, you, okay. just, just before you go, you, you did get back onto them and say, hey, uh, what's happening? What's the oh, delay? I did. Ready I did. To go. I yeah. said the last time I spoke to them was last week. Yes, we'll be back to you. Okay. All right. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, th- thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Dennis. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Can I just say, on a lighter note, uh, this side of midday, I have some more family passes. They're in big demand, the family passes that we've managed to put together this summer to take yourself and the family off to some wonderful tourist attractions. Uh, like, I got a lovely email in from UCC Campus Tours. They said, I was listening to your show the other day, and I'm happy to give you 60 free passes. This is 15 family passes for families of four for a single use and give them out whatever you want for the UCC campus tours running here at UCC. Now, they gave me some background to it. It's suitable for all of the family and it showcases some of the hidden gems in the Cork City campus that general members of the public might be unaware of. The tour includes going inside the Crawford Observatory, the Aula Maxima, which the kids adore because it's similar to a certain wizard's school, Hogwarts, the Orm Stone Corridor, the President's Garden, the newly refurbished Honan's Chapel, and many more sites along the way. Uh, Marcia says kids will enjoy the wildflowers growing on the campus and might even want to try out the honey produced on campus by our very own beekeeper. Winners of the vouchers will also receive a gift pack to take home with them on the day and includes a copy of A Bee at UCC. Uh, Tours run every day, half past 11 and 3 o'clock, Monday to Friday and midday on Saturdays. So you never would have thought that this tour even existed. I certainly didn't. And we've got family passes for that. What else do we have to give away right across the rest of the week? Michael Collins House, Spike Island, Cove Heritage Centre, Camden Fort Mar, Skibbereen Heritage Centre, the Yall Clockgate Tower, the Collegiate Church in Yall, Photo Wildlife Park, Leahy's Farm, UCC, I just mentioned, Blackrock Castle Observatory, Leisureplex, Cork City Jail, West Cork Secret. I think that's the one where you go down and you just wallow and play and frolic all day in mud. And a buddy of mine recently was working down in Desi's Tires in, in Little Island. He was telling me he brought the family there and he had the greatest day ever. He didn't think he would, but he just absolutely loved it. Um, playing with and acting out the Egypt in mud. Mud slides and adventure park and whatever. Zip it at Farron Woods. Clonakilty Black Pudding Visitor Centre. The West Cork Model Railway Village. The Shandon Bells. Cork Harbour Boat Hire. This is the self-drive boat tours. Uh, and, and I imagine that that list will continue to be added to as we go through the days. So I'm changing a little bit. Up until now, we've given people an opportunity to pick passes themselves but that's getting much more difficult to manage now with with regards to tickets and numbers and amounts so from now on I'm picking the daily giveaways or at least Claire is picking the daily giveaways and we'll open the phone lines then for specific tourist passes a lot more straightforward than that but how will the weather be for the coming days we got a sprinkling of shower this morning and a bit of an old thunderstorm and everybody started to panic Um, is the best of it behind us Alan O'Reilly's with Carla Weather Weather. Alan good morning Good morning. Thanks for taking the call. You're in big demand. I appreciate that. But for our particular part of the country, as in the greater Munster area, is the best of us behind us now? Yes, well, in terms of the hottest temperatures, certainly um, they will start to drop back and they'll drop back quite quickly now as well. By tomorrow, you'll be struggling to get above 20, 21 degrees. Um, So there really is kind of that, that plume of hot air is moving away now. There was, as you said, some thunderstorms. Uh, there was a lot of lightning strikes around Ardmore and they kind of moved inland into East Cork and up into Tipperary. Have a listen to this. This is, this is thunder down in Yall. 
Not too far from Ardmore. Yeah, there was a lot of strikes down there. Yeah, there's music to your ears, I'd say, is it? <laughs> well, it's funny, uh, I'm, not, I'm not that excited about lightning storms, actually. I, I, don't, I don't particularly like the chances of uh, what, what, what can result in lightning strikes, but um, it can be interesting to track them, and they're very difficult to forecast, which is why Met Aaron issued that weather warning very late. Uh, for a thunderstorm. They call an isolated thundery burst. Yeah, and it looks like they're kind of dying out for now anyway um, in the south of the country. There's a few strikes now further up the country heading towards Donegal and that and there's still some heavy rain coming into the southeast. There's some heavy showers and water but it does look like the, the, the worst of the rain for Cork um, seems to have passed for now at least. And are we looking ahead then to a few dry days then with at best sunshine and cloud, is it? Yeah, it's going to be a mix of, of sunshine and showers. Now, showers don't look too bad, um, but, but there will be showers. I, I know, you know, obviously, this time of the year now, a lot of farmers are looking for, kind of, to get the harvest done, but there's also a lot of farmers who have fields that are looking very brown, so they'll be looking for some rain. And it, it, it's only the odd shower, to be honest with you. It doesn't, doesn't look like much. Onto the weekend, there is a, an increased chance of showers now at the weekend. So, unfortunately, the weekend isn't looking too good. Certainly, Sunday is a, is a write-off, isn't it? Well, you'd think that, but the weather models are not in agreement. Now, again, the, the, there is likely to be rain, but Cork, for example, could, could just escape a lot of it. It could stay more northwest of Cork, so... Um, yeah, a lot of uncertainty on the weather models around the weekend, actually. So it's a little bit of a tricky one to, okay. to call for the weekend. And yesterday's temperatures, where we hit about 28 down here and 33 in the Phoenix Park where they clocked it. Where did that heat come from? Um, so it, it's basically a plume of hot air. And what happened was we had a low-pressure system out to the west of Portugal that was circulating. And if you think about the low-pressure system, and you, if you think about it as a clock, and it's going anti-clockwise and the air was down the bottom, and basically the low-pressure system pulled that air up and around um, from, say, from, you know, from around Spain, kind of Portugal area, and it pulled it in over us, and now it's pushing away northeast. So that's why England is likely to peak today now with over 40 degrees possible in parts of England today. So it was, it was kind of, um, I suppose, from Africa originally. originally right. Would have originally African been. heat it, came our way. And you, do, you, do you think, are you one of those that would believe that this is um, a harbinger of things to come with regards to global warming? Well, I think there's no doubt that the, the climate is warming and that we're going to see more extremes. Um, now, how often we see them is, is, is probably the biggest problem. The, the extremes themselves... It's always a tricky one to mix climate with weather, but the the the, the, the sign shows us that we're going to see more of this kind of weather. Uh, Ireland, thankfully, you know, because we're an island sitting out in the Atlantic, we're we're kind of been saved those crazy high temperatures like that England are seeing forty degrees. So while we got to thirty three, there's a big difference between thirty three and forty. So I think, to be honest with you, from a climate change point of view, my biggest concern will be around uh, extreme rainfall events like we saw in Wexford on Christmas Day those type of events are probably our biggest problem with, with, with uh, climate change. Yeah, okay, all right, okay. It's worrying what's ahead of us, isn't it, for future generations? It really is, Alan, isn't it? It is, it is, and, and it's about trying to kind of, you know, make decisions that incorporate that kind of thing. So when you look at the houses being built and flooding and, you know, trying to plan for, for, for changing climate, and, you know, people will argue that the climate is always changing. Yeah. It is, but um, the science clearly shows us that you know, we've seen more records broken in the last 10 years, especially 
in, in parts of the British Isles than, than in the previous 50 years, you know. Okay, okay. Thanks for that. Okay, so a certain temperature drop. We're not going to be looking at high 20s now for any time soon, no. But at best, maybe 20 to 22 degrees the rest of the week, maybe, uh, with uh, sunshine and cloud and some showers across the weekend. Would that sum it up? That'd be about it, yeah. That's about it. All right, my man. Appreciate it as always being at the end of the phone. Thanks, Alan. Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather. Remember, I was chatting yesterday, or at least I was reading out a text from Alan, who was listening down in Bordeaux in France, and he was giving me temperatures as they were about to climb. I think when he texted, it was 30 degrees in the morning, and he says it wasn't going to stop, that it would go higher and higher, and they were expecting like 40 by mid-afternoon with a real feel of 43 degrees Celsius. Alan from Cork down in the south of France and Bordeaux joins me by phone. Good morning. Bonjour de Bordeaux, Neil. <laughs> Comment allez-vous? Fair play to you. You're, you're enjoying <laughs> the weather, are you? <laughs> uh, do you know what, Neil? It was excruciatingly hot yesterday. Um, do you know, it was uncomfortable. It, hit, it topped out here at uh, 41 degrees air temperature. And the mercury, and uh, we were in a uh, caravan um, camping park, and the mercury all outside where there was little breeze was showing 43, 44 degrees. Oh and my oh my God, it was sweltering. So, you know, you, you, uh, whilst it sounds lovely in one sense, you couldn't do anything. No. Oh my God, no. the heat, you couldn't, you couldn't walk 500 yards and you'd feel the stink. It was you just know, like uh, a wall, like walking into an oven, I'd say. Oh, it, may as well, it was like an air fryer. If there was a breeze, you know, we had these cooling fans. But sure, it may as well have been like inside in a, uh, one of these air fryers because it was just warm air was all of us circulating. But, uh, <laughs> and so have your kids there as well? Yeah, yeah, the young lad. So yesterday morning after I sent a message, he was like, oh, can we go for a, go for a dip? So we, of course, we had to go to the pool to so more ourselves up to our necks in water and it wasn't too bad. But then again, <laughs> there's only so much pool you can take. Like, but, so, so you're in the, in the caravan with no air con then, are you, Alan? Oh yeah, no aircon. Yeah, we thought it was, but uh, alas, unfortunately, uh, we're not. So I kind of had to uh, scoot on down to the local uh, supermarket and buy two fans, and you know, one one for each of our rooms, you know. And uh, <laughs> you know, so while it helps, it was only a small help, mind you. But uh, what's you know, this? What's this about people out pushing buggies in the middle of the night because they couldn't oh, yeah, sleep? What's that about? Yeah, I'm, we were sitting down. I mean, my two there were they were demented because they couldn't get to sleep. It was so so warm, and uh, I was sitting out in the the the, the deck of the veranda, and it was uh, about half past three this morning, and all I could see was dads walking around. They was like being pushed out by the mum, saying like, "Get out and take the kids for a walk." So they were pushing buggies around the park, to trying to entertain the kids, or you know, to try and help help cool them down a little. So it was still forty-two degrees this morning at three o'clock. What? Oh no, that yeah. is not funny. I know I'm laughing. Oh, Apparently, you're supposed yeah. to you're supposed to rub yourself down at night with onion juice. Uh, well, I I I try I don't try anything at that stage. I mean, I did hear it yesterday. I know that about the onions, but I kind of went, hmm, it'd be kind of stinking high heaven. So. But I, I told you, I told Kevin there actually a, a funny story because we we said you know there was warnings around here as well that it was going to get extremely hot. So we said right. What we do, plan, we we aim for it as a, an aquarium not too far. We said, yeah, look, it'll be dark, it'll be nice, it'll be aircon, it'll be cool. <laughs> the only problem was there was probably about 600 to 1,000 other people had the same cute idea as I did. And it was just a swarm inside there. Oh, man. Was like, oh, my God. How long have you been there but, already? <clears throat> well, we came um, on, we arrived on Sunday the 10th, so we're just over a week. And another week so to I go? Another, I have another week. We'll, we'll be leaving uh, this day next week. We'll be leaving out to, back to Cork. And are the French the even saying it, that it's extraordinary weather, are they? 
It was. It was extremely hot. Like, I mean, normally for um, like 20, to say 26 to kind of 30 degrees is the average, is the norm. But like as I said, when it, as as the, the Alan before I had said, like there is a massive difference between thirty and forty. It is it's staggering. Like, it certainly you know, is. Without a doubt. Like, but yeah, oh my god! Yeah. And I, I believe I heard him say the British uh, England are getting so we're getting something similar. Oh my god! They're getting hammered again today. Summer, yeah. And there's probably not a ninety nine in sight, is there? No. No, no, it is unfortunately. It is, France is a little different when they have done the kind of like, um, gelato, different kind of ice cream, but it's, uh, you've missed the old 99, all right. So, yeah, I, I kind of I, I long for one of those. And I you, bar- you have one in the studio. And <laughs> you can't send one down the line to me. Are you barbecuing? <laughs> well, well, do you know what? Uh, I, I tend not to. I just tend to cook indoors, get it done with, and then, oh, you know, eat out then on the, uh, out on the patio. <laughs> but look, it's. Uh, it's nearly time for a dip as I said the, the big heat broke now so it's uh, about me 28 degrees uh, I, hang on I can see oh there's a cloud in the distance yeah there's one cloud up there in the distance but yeah heading for a, heading for a, a dip now again and, you're not uh, praying for rain are you know uh, yeah actually we were we were hoping for it so yeah the, the weather was expected to break but like no rain it's just a little uh, there was due to be a little bit of cloud cover but yeah as I said uh, there is a cloud somewhere up there I can see one but uh, and uh, tomorrow tomorrow is to be similar and then again then the starts to climb again apparently for the, by the weekend back up to the, the 30-ish again uh. Uh, 30 and that'll and that's that's about the size of it but you know what uh, you know I think today is about probably one of the first days now that we can really get out and do something because you know we were saying we, have, we wanted to go to a local zoo you couldn't walk around not at all oh forget God, about the it was, he was demented from the heat like so uh, we found that uh, it probably cost me about 100 quid in diesel because we had to jump into the car and just drive aimlessly around just to cool down with the air conditioning, you know. So, uh, <laughs> Great story. Uh, it, it, it did have its down, its down side, so I suppose. Uh, well, but it, uh, alas, no, that's it. I think uh, well, just to say, you know, bonjour from Sunny Bordeaux. <laughs> good luck, off my friend. Cool I go. Off you go, <laughs> get a good dip. Hello, God bless. Enjoy. Well Bye-bye. done, Alan in France, listening every day. Texted yesterday on the air this morning. He tells a great tale. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. Ah, uh, yeah, talking about uh, the beach and heading for a dip reminded somebody of a summer job where they worked as a lifeguard in Virginia, USA in the summer of 2007 and again in 2009. Texter says, I remember the training was tough, but well worth it to spend the summer on the sides of swimming pools making sure kids were all right. It was just enough money to have a good time and travel all around the East Coast. Actually, we had some great texts coming in there of late with regards to people's summer jobs. Um, Lisa, who listens regularly down in Yaw, says, I started a back-breaking Saturday job when I was 14. That led to summer holiday work when I was on school holidays in Mary Rose's restaurant in the Queen's Hall Castle. Remember Mary Rose's in the Queen's Hall Castle? Happy days. Seven pounds for a full day's back-breaking work collecting trays of dirty ware. And when the supervisor would go upstairs to the loo, we'd all attack the desserts. Black Forest Gatto, lemon meringue pie, best desserts in town at the time. Yeah, Lisa, you are right. Mary Rose was known for great, great, great desserts. Black Forest Gatto, mm, wouldn't be too gone on that. The lemon meringue pie, pass me the whole pie. I'm there with a knife and fork and spoon. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. And on kind of somebody related stories, just a quick one here. Pat says, hope you're all chilling out there in Corraheen. Do you know if they're selling mint feet in Cork? 
something to look forward to when I'm back in Leaside on Leaside in a few weeks time oh well can't wait to have you back in Cork Pat mint feet must have been or are or were a particular ice lol is that right obviously taste of mint in the shape of a foot sounds very appealing doesn't it Somebody suggested in my ear that they used to sell or do sell a thing called Funny Feet. Maybe Funny Feet was a mint flavour. I don't know. Anybody can help us out with that. Let us know. All 99s on this programme, though. Uh, and I'll be telling you more about 99s where you can get some free ones over the next couple of days. Right, can I go back to the phone lines? Because as I say, we've got some wonderful, wonderful tourist attraction vouchers, family vouchers to give away. But not just that. We also have been asking people to share their own holiday experiences and good, interesting, nostalgic or funny stories. All of the above. Let me just talk to a few people on that. Alana standing by. But uh, first up, William. William, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, so it's Tenerife back in the end of the 80s, early 90s, was it? That's correct, yeah. We were there at Christmas and holidays. So, uh, Christmas morning, we decided to go down to San Eugenio, down to Costa Jacket to the local church. So, so Christmas, Christmas morning Mass. there must have been very different here, but it'd be warm and hot, would it? Oh, unbelievable, yeah. So, we went into this small little church, hold about 150 people max. Everybody's in t shirts, shorts. And all of a sudden, these guys walk up to the centre of the church. Pinstripe soups, starch collars, look really out of place. <laughs> so they got to the top and they sort of bending down and looking at the seats and everyone was saying, what's going on? Uh, the priest came out anyway and he said, good morning and a very happy Christmas. And especially our distinguished guest this morning, Margaret and Dennis Thatcher. <laughs> so I said, holy shit, what's going on here? <laughs> so we had a, a list of all the the songs. So we turned around the back and they said, Welcome to the Anglican Church. <laughs> but <laughs> seemingly, we had been there before at Orly Mass, like Catholic Mass. Yeah. But seemingly, they shared the church with the Anglican, the Lutheran, <laughs> and the Roman Catholic. <laughs> so that were was you, the story. Were you afraid you'd go straight to hell for being in another person's church, is it? No, really, they didn't see to be any difference in the, in the service, really, even because uh, the Anglicans would actually break away from Catholics, but uh, it was a bit surprising to be at Mass with Megan Catholic, you know. <laughs> How'd you feel about that? <laughs> uh, everybody, there was a lot of English people, and they were turning and there was up at her. She didn't, she wasn't particularly like that. Go it, away. It, it, hadn't, hadn't she just resigned then? Yes, yeah, uh, I think around the end of the 90s, I think. I think the early, I think maybe the early, yeah, 80, no, I think it was around then, I have, I think William was around 89, 90. Yeah, I think it was 90, then, then I think no, around November, 1990, she resigned. Yeah, yeah. Come here, did you ever think that kind of a Christmas in a hot climate is very weird, like, did you enjoy it? Unbelievable, we go every year, we haven't been there for the last couple of years due to COVID. I know, yeah. Nothing like it. But what's Christmas Day like? It's absolutely brilliant. Christmas dinner on the beach. Can't beat it. Get away from all the hustle and bustle from the 15th of December to the 21st. Avoid all the hassle. You must have this. You must have that. You know what I mean? You know something, boy? You never spoke a truer word. It really yeah. is just mental, it's isn't it? Total commercialism. Isn't it? And you have people tearing their hair out and the anxiety and the stress and the worry, the present for this and buying this and all this yeah, food exactly. and everything that goes with it. It's nuts, isn't it? That's crazy, crazy. 
Now, do you have turkey and ham then in Tenerife on Christmas? Oh, shebang, yeah. You pick your restaurant and book your Christmas dinner and that's it. <laughs> so there's no hassle whatsoever. Do you not miss family though or friends or grandchildren? Well, I have my family with me. I have my son and kid grandchildren with me. Yeah, I know. It's they absolutely diff- love it too. Yeah. They're, they're, they're in Lanza Valley at the moment now. Are they? Yeah. What are the kind of temperatures are they saying? Uh, yes, uh, it was over, over the talk days, roasting. I know. What can you do? Listen, I'd love to sort you out with the past. Would you like? Uh, have you have you got? Uh, yeah, have you got grandchildren or people you might take away for a tourist attraction day? I would. I'd be delighted. Thanks very much. Okay. Well, would you like to pick one yourself? Uh, I'd like to go to Florida. Uh, we grandchildren for family past days. Oh my God, that would be terrific. Have they ever been? Uh, they have, they have. Been well, you can't go days. often enough. So I'm going to organise a family yeah. pass for you and the grandkids. Photo Wildlife Park. Enjoy the day, William. Great stuff. Thanks very much. Uh, listen, great to chat with you. Thanks so much for that. Yeah, Take care. Are. All the best. Bye. That's an interesting topic in itself, Christmas Day in a hot climate, because I know of people who are Irish and they're from Cork and they're living in Australia and the one thing that they can never get their head around is Christmas Day in Australia in the heat on the beach and the Bondi thing and everything. And they want the cold and they want the traditional Christmas of back home that the turkey and ham just doesn't seem the same but it, you know, I know it's the wrong time of the year to be talking about Christmas but the whole thing is a bit mental isn't it when you think of it okay let me stay with the phone lines Elana good morning morning now I know that you're uh, a little on the young side so is your ma'am there as well no she's not but she knows you're talking to me yeah she does excellent so what are you going to be 14 in December yeah Okay, is it anywhere near Christmas in December? Um, yeah, it's on the 11th. Okay, uh, that's not too bad. You still get all of the birthday presents. Like if it was on Christmas Day, to be a different story, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay, so tell me your own little story of a staycation. Where were you and what happened? Um, my mum and I were staying in a mobile home park in Wexford. Um, it was, I'm not too sure what year it was, but I was seven. Right. And um, and when we were there, there was um, there was it was a huge mobile home park, and we were staying in one of the mobile homes for a week, and I made a few buddies while while I was there, and we used to always play in either the park or the green, and if we were moving from one of the places to the other place, then we'd always leave our parents know, but one time we all forgot to let them know, and um, we went off into one of the girls' tents. And they couldn't find us for a few hours, and they were searching everywhere. And then eventually, we all ran out of the tent, and then they discovered that where we were. They were frantic with the worry, I'd say, were they? Yeah, they couldn't find us, and then we were we wanted to just go back and playing, and they were freaking out. <laughs> uh, listen, I know how they feel because when my kids were very small, particularly my son, he was always going missing all of the time. And your your heart would be in your mouth because you'd think, oh my God, you also end up thinking that you'd never see them again. Do you know that when my son was very, very small, Alana, when we were be overseas on holidays, I used to have to write my mobile number on his arm. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> so if he got lost, whoever found him would phone me. He was forever getting lost. <laughs> well, I tell you another one. Yeah. We, we were in Euro Disney when he was really small, right? In Paris. Were you ever there? 
Yeah, I was. Okay, well, you know how busy that can be. And you know how they have the Disney parade every evening where Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and Donald Duck, they all come out and they have a big parade down through the middle of Disney World. Yeah. Right? So one minute he's standing next to me, all two feet of him, and everything's fine. And the next minute he's gone, right? It took nearly four hours to find him. Somebody eventually had to, somebody eventually had to bring him to the lost and found, right? And when I chatted yeah. with him, I said, "What the hell possessed you to do that?" He said, "He said Mickey Mouse was calling me. He confused waving with calling him. So he ran out into the middle of the parade, and he marched off down the middle of Disney World with Mickey Mouse." <laughs> Four hours later. <laughs> so you're very good by comparison. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like a family pass to take the family away to one of our tourist attractions? Okay. Any idea where you'd like to go? Um, Spike Island. Spike Island is an excellent choice. Have you ever been there? Yeah, I've been there a few times. Well, go back there again and bring some people who haven't been with you, all right, and enjoy it. Thank you. It's lovely talking to you, Alana. Mind yourself. You too. Bye. Bye. Take care. Take care. Lines open. Text 0868104106. The stories we could tell about our children. Uh, I'll be slaughtered now for saying that, but uh, it's done now. Can't reverse out of it. Lorraine, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? All right. Now, um, this is some years back. Was it down Kerryway? It was. So, a long time ago now. So, myself and my husband and my oldest son, who was about eight or nine at the time, decided we'd take a week down in Killarney and, as usual, staycations. It was raining. <laughs> now, bear in mind, I was about eight and a half months pregnant with my second child at the time. So, we decided that we wanted to go to the Poke Fair. So, we were we headed off. Um, but halfway along a very narrow road that only takes one car on the side of a mountain, I decided that the need to go to the bathroom, just I was never going to make it much further. So my husband said, well, you know, Lorraine, there's just nowhere to go. There's nowhere even to pull in. So another little bit along the road, things were, <laughs> went from bad to worse, really. So I said, you're going to have to just pull in somewhere. So we he kind of just edged in at the side. <laughs> it was a mountain, really, for all the world. You weren't on the so, main road, obviously. Like If you're driving mountainy roads to go from Killarney to Killarglen, you're gone wrong. Oh, we went the scenic route. You're gone usual. all wrong. Um, yeah, <laughs> we went the scenic route. So I, I suppose it was about two feet just at the edge of the road to pull in. So we pulled in, but it invariably meant that I had to sort of climb up a little bit. So I did duly climb up all whatever stone of me, plus eight and a half months pregnant bump. And just as I went to go to the bathroom, so trigger warning here now for everybody. <laughs> I kind of passed. <laughs> I, I slipped. So I slid the whole way back down and just kind of landed at the door of the car. So I thought, right, this has gone completely pear-shaped. Got up and got into the car. So I said, look, just keep driving. And after, <laughs> I suppose, maybe less than a minute, my son in the back started to kind of be empty reach and he was like, ma'am, what's the smell? What's the smell? So Trigger I, warning I is right. <laughs> yeah, I said, I don't know. I don't know. So I was looking down at myself, couldn't see anything. Then I started to get the smell. So anyway, it, I, I'd say it might have been a general stop for people. So I'd say I wasn't the first person to use that particular section as a bathroom, but I had fallen into it. Oh so, my God. 
A remote, a remote public outdoor loo. So we you sure it wasn't a bit. cow or a horse oh, or no, a sheep? No. Or a... Neil, you just know the smell. All right, um, trigger warning, so... trigger warning, alert, alert. <laughs> it wasn't, so we it wasn't went, a goat. We no, it definitely wasn't a goat. <laughs> I definitely. So we travelled on another bit anyway, and I, we all said we have to get out of the car. So we found another little lay-by, just a good bit further up, and it was right in off the road, and we pulled in. So I literally had to strip. Now, I, I had to take my clothes. I couldn't get back in the car. But, of course, typically, as I was half stripped at the back of the car. Big, huge tour bus goes past me from the horn. You're making this up. Oh, you're making this up. Oh, Neil, honestly, I just thought out of Kerry, I'd never forget. I thought there'd be a, a wanted sign. <laughs> did the bus, did the coach t- slow down? Or was he blowing the horn? Oh, I was afraid to look up. My husband and son were going, ma'am, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> What, what happened next? Like, did you go to Puck? What about the smell? No, what about the, the... not at all. We just, all the clothes, as much as I could, into a plastic bag, into the boot of the car and back again. We never got to see the Puck. <laughs> Have you never no been to Puck Fair? Never been. No Pucks were given that day at all. <laughs> you need to go to Puck Fair. You know, it's happening the 10th, 11th and 12th of August, the three-day festival. It is really great fun. I don't know if I'd be allowed back down, though, Neil. I'm not quite sure if I've left enough enough time. Okay, well, maybe not puck, but pick a weekend (laughs) pass and make sure you go to the loo before you head off on our tourist trail. Where where would you like to go? I don't mind, Neil. My my, my kids are now teenagers, so anything teenager-friendly would be very much appreciated. Anything at all, I don't mind. Teenager-friendly? Okay. There's a lot of them are. What? Is there any such thing? <laughs> Most of them are, actually. They're either teenager-friendly or they're of huge interest to people in general. But I've got about 15 of them. So rather than going through the list again, I'll give it back to Claire and you can pick one that suits the teenagers and you as well. Thanks a million. Neil. All right. Thanks and very do, much. do get down to Puck. You'd see anything at Puck. I remember some, <laughs> year, uh, some, I remember some years walking up the main street and coming out of a pub. What did I meet? A donkey. <laughs> Walking out the front door of a pub during Puck. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. It's great fun. You love it. Get back there soon. Anyway, stay on hold, Lorraine. We'll get you sorted, all right? Thanks, Avilion. You're welcome. Great story. Thanks for sharing. Okay, listen, just on our passes, and thanks to everybody who's provided with them. If you are in the business of tourism and you have. Uh, you know, um, an event, not necessarily an event, but a tourist attraction that you'd like to share, uh, family passes, then email us, email neil at redfm.ie. Can I also remind you that the Explore Cork app and Cork County Council and indeed the City Council have given us some fabulous family passes to give away amongst all of the other ones, but there is a really great app. It's called Explore Cork app and it will tell you everywhere and everything, over 850 different places to see and things to do right across Cork and you can download it from the App Store or wherever you get your apps, Explore Cork app. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to open the phone lines and we're going to give away some family passes. Today it is for Camden Fort Mar. So we have three family passes for Camden Fort Mar and I hope tomorrow to start chatting with various tourist attractions so they can tell us a little bit about themselves, including Camden Fort Mar. I've been there, it's been about three or four years it's just amazing. It's just amazing. So we'll start on that tomorrow. I think we might be chatting with the people from UCC and, and others over the course of the coming days and weeks. Our lines will stay open on uh, 086-8104-106 by text. And if you want to get in touch with the show, you can email neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day.
See you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast.